The views and opinions expressed on Red Planet are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of Red Planet nor any affiliated or related entities. This podcast is provided for educational purposes only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Red Planet. This week, we bring you a discussion on how the ruling class deploys the power of police and the media to maintain their ideological and physical control in the face of public resistance. Also, Bangladeshi garment workers stop work at 300 factories, SAG-AFTRA lands a contract, and protesters sabotage a fundraising event for the IDF. But first, some of these videos coming out of Gaza are a little sus. So I think we've seen we've seen a bunch of videos on um, on social media this week from from Gaza, right? The um, the guys like popping out of tunnels and chucking bombs onto tanks and then shooting them with like a, a an RPG. Uh, just 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 incredible, incredible stuff to see. Um, Tim, you shared that video of uh, someone uh, pretending to be a nurse from uh, Al Shifa Hospital, right? Yeah, it was, Which was um... just like bizarre it was uh, a woman speaking directly into the camera Um, you can only see a little bit behind her but it seems vaguely hospital like and um which i guess is all she really needed yeah 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 yeah. and she's speaking in a um in the like the the i guess like the affectation of a of a hebrew speaker um mispronouncing arabic syllables yeah like the the community notes on it was like you can tell that she's israeli because of her accent and also she can't pronounce any of these sounds yeah 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 (laughs) and um which like i appreciated like the the sassiness of like community notes after like specifically ascent guys have been so shit so far in the conflict like and i've been wondering so much israeli propaganda and it's funny because they were like there were people that were actually at the hospital that just spread the video around and were like, "Does anybody recognize her?" And people were like, "No, like I've worked it for sixteen years." She's talking <laughs> about like, you know, she was talking about, um, you know, like treating children. So she would be in my department, and I've never seen this person. Like, even like yeah. her stethoscope is wrong. That's not the kind of thing <laughs> that we use. You know, yeah, just things like this. And it's like this idea that there is like these these people like that that people aren't there you know that yeah. can't contact you know we can't just be like hey look i just have there. to imagine like the zionist side of this like looking through social media and seeing like so much fake shit that people are calling fake and calling out as fake constantly mm. and and then you also you see that like posts like them claiming that the like videos of injured children are fake but it's yeah. that itself is a fake because they're posting like from up behind the scenes from a short film about gaza um and then like you're just like damn why are why are all posts fake now i guess yeah. there's lots of propaganda on both sides um yeah, yeah. No, but like the 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 al shifa video um like so my girlfriend had a call with some third party hr thing that's like basically uh She's got time off work for like mental health reasons, and like um, the the HR service was this guy who looked about twelve, who was on like a green screen in front of like a simulated environment that's like supposed to look a bit like a like a clinic or whatever. Yeah, and like 
I it was just one of the bizarrest things that was completely useless. And it's just like, can we help with any of these? Maybe we can. Uh, could we reduce <laughs> the number of emails you do or whatever? And it was just utterly like gibberish and just trying to tick, yeah, like yeah. Tick, tick boxes. But like now, I realize that guy was calling from Al Shifa Hospital, and I feel like you know, I I, I got to commend his bravery. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, what is it? Better help. The um, the therapy service that oh, is gosh. actually run by um, you know, like an Israeli tech company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Notorious for crazy. Um, being kind of shitty, especially to Palestinian people that end up mm-hmm. on their calls. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, they're using that same technology to make these videos. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, it's terrible. Some of the um, yeah, some of these videos are really um, like pushing the boundaries of what I would have expected someone to believe, but like. Yes. Yeah, yes. you know, it's like you get well, to see how flimsy that barrier is when someone is like really invested in the um, you know, in in the outcome or whatever. Like they've already decided they agree with it before they see the video, and they're going to totally. really interrogate it. What, it's like this suspended the, disbelief. Yeah, yeah. Like one of the crazy things I saw was so the, 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 there's some guy who's like just like moving through the immense trauma of like his family members being killed and just being like, mm-hmm. I hope that I like die fighting for the freedom of palestine and this stuff and then like a bunch of a bunch of zionists being like uh clearly this guy is a raging anti-semite and he's exactly the same as the nazis only only hamas is worse than the nazis because the even the ss you got to hand it to them didn't love doing what they were doing and it's like okay so so at any point where we're like handing it to the ss like what is happening here and then then people started sharing around pictures Yeah, no, exactly. The Douglas Murray stuff. But like people started sharing our pictures of like um, people from concentration camps, well, people, uh, fascists from concentration camps, like taking pictures like on their break, all like chilling and stuff. And I was like, oh, you know what this has the like visual cadence of is like all of the Israeli influencers who are being like that feeling when we've leveled Gaza and we turn it into a theme park. haha. Like, yeah. Same you can just, shit. You can just put Same these images shit. side by side. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. The um, uh, thing. <laughs> horrible. Uh, on that note, welcome to Red Planet. Uh, we got a lot yeah, of Gaza in the news this week, but first, I want to ask Mule, what was the most base thing you did this week? Thank you very much. Uh, so basically, the 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 most base thing that I did this week. Um, I'm going to mention that after this because I'm very excited to announce that I'm now a proud cat dad um, and I rescued this cat. Uh, It's very cute. You can't see him just yet because he's very nervous. He's currently harassing my partner in the other room. Um, So we're going to maybe next week, maybe next week, if you're watching the show, you'll be able to see little Tom. Um, So that's been very exciting. But I guess rescuing a cat is pretty based, but uh on top of I the so. uh yeah on top on top of that um i've actually been making um a lot of uh progress surprisingly uh with the squat that i've been talking to and i'm not saying surprisingly because it's a squat i'm saying surprisingly because we're trying to use our connections with the greater manchester law center to try and find a angle to delay the high court eviction of uh this squat and one thing that we found out that we could use to justify uh delaying the the eviction is that they were actually, there's a lot of people in the squat who've been failed or are in the process of not doing very well um, in the council's homeless system. And so because they're on council land, 
it could be argued that that is somewhere they should be able to at least stay until they're rehomed. So there's that kind of angle that we're going for. And then what we can do on top of that, I don't know. But that is where we've gotten. So that's been very exciting. I've been coordinating uh, 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 just between them, sort of like liaising between them and the law centers. So that's been really helpful. Um, and yeah, that, it really, really, really buzzing about that. That's That's been like very exciting that, that hopefully we're going to get this high court uh, eviction stops because anyone who has listened to the show or watched the, the show, uh, uh, you know, over the last year or so will know any kind of high court eviction is just extremely violent. It doesn't matter who it is. The police use it as an opportunity to like, you know, test out, uh, uh, practice arresting people, practice riot tactics and all this kind of stuff. So if we could save them that at least, um, then we're laughing. Um, and that, that, that buys us a bit more time to have a look at other options to try and, uh, unfortunately, it, we shouldn't have to do this, like, quote, unquote, legitimize the squat as some kind of community center. Um, but that would be the best thing for us to do um, in order to help them literally stay living there keep doing the good things that they're doing. So that's been the most based thing that I've done this week, aside from like just sort of like generic tenants union stuff as well. Uh, but Tim, what about you, my friend? Um, well, let's look. So um, there was another uh, Palestine solidarity, solidarity, really. <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of syllables, right? A lot of L's and S's and stuff. Um, in Auckland yesterday, uh, it was another big one. Thousands of people, again, referred to by um, most media sources as, as hundreds or more or something, I think they said, which is kind of ridiculous. I think they did a similar thing in um, in London when they were like, like it was like more than 10,000 and like the, yep. the estimate was like way, way it was like half a million times like yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's like well I mean technically right but um but yeah um this means the it has been the longest like sustained the the biggest and longest sustained protests like in my memory like I think perhaps even like of the country um because while we have had huge protests before really big ones or whatever like that this is it's been like every weekend for like you know like over a month now so um yeah and uh yeah just like and huge as well you know like thousands and thousands of people um so yeah so that's been good um what else um yeah i think that's kind of it um i feel like the whole israel palestine thing has been dominating most of my brain for the last yeah, little while. Both. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I haven't really had much else kind of going on. But um, yeah, what about what about Sophie? What uh, uh, well, I mean, I've had a kind of quiet week. I'd say the most basic thing I've done is I got some new house plants, which like no, I'm hyped about. We're gonna have That's we have a like huge, a huge mezzanine level. There's some like um uh ivy we've got a company coming down off of the balcony uh i have not done uh loads this week i want to give a massive shout out to nat uh she she and a few friends were uh out at the palestine solidarity uh rally yesterday in in central london it was absolutely huge it was like over a million people uh they shut down so much public transport like there were uh six different tube lines that were like closed fully or had like 
partial closures um buses wouldn't go through anything like the yeah um i mean i've so i've heard a lot about it um but like i won't i won't just like treat nat's thing as my as my base thing i just want to shout out that she's done <laughs> did something cool uh while yeah, i was otherwise yeah, occupied um yeah exactly um but i will also tell you going on a roll of telling you other people's base things i will now also say that we got a write-in from a viewer uh called morgana oh oh that's a good point um we're getting a note from the producer right now that also kira uh is away being based right now that's why she's not here you know what i'm gonna go three for three it's gonna be it's gonna be shout out to nat shout out to kira shout out to our uh our viewer morgana as well uh who says i went to my first real protest ever and participated in the block the boat action at tacoma washington uh on the 6th to get in the way and delay shipments of weapons to israel so that's fantastic uh, we want to know what base things so you've been based. doing. Uh, you can message us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, or send an email to base at redplanetshow.com. Include your name and pronouns if you're cool with that, and we may shout it out in a later episode. But uh, enough people being based, or in my case, getting some plants. Uh, Tim, why don't you tell us about some renters? Well, so, um, yeah, over in Toronto, in Canada... Around 500 tenants spread across multiple properties, uh, withholding their rent. Um, some of them even going back as far as June this year. So most notably is the 33 King Street apartment building, where about 200 tenants have joined together and been sta- and staged a rent strike. So residents of 33 King Street have reported that um, some of them who have been there for a long time say that their rents have raised by up to 50% in the past 10 years, um, which is is heaps. When Some of them are saying that when they moved in, they were paying 1000 now they're paying 1500 And these were the affordable, like these were the, you know, the low cost housing options available for them. And uh, a lot of people are seniors, a lot of people, um, you know, like uh, just working class, working poor people that this was the only option available to them. And so, you know, when their landlord says either, you know, uh, pay more rent or go somewhere else, for a lot of these people, the option, you know, somewhere else isn't an option. It's like, you know, these places on the street. So, um. Yeah, landlords have initiated eviction proceedings for more than 70 of the residents at 33 King Street and 75 in one of the other buildings over in Thorncliffe Park, and more are likely to come, but the strikers remain resolute. Um, So without approval from the landlord and tenant board, landlords in Ontario are only allowed to increase rent for most existing tenants according to the province's annual rent increase for inflation. So this guideline is set at about 2.5% at the moment. But um, there's AGIs that allow landlords to tack on up to an additional 3% per year for things like significant renovations or repairs. So uh, a lot of these places have just been raising rent every year by the the full 5.5% and saying, oh, yeah, this is for repairs and renovations. But a lot of these residents are saying there are no repairs or renovations being done, that this is, you know, this is ridiculous. A lot of them, especially with 33 King Street, um, address have gone without access to a lot of uh, just like the building facilities, everything from like, you know, like, um, like 
there's some tenants saying they couldn't access like laundry and things like that, whereas others saying their balconies have been completely shut off and uh, damaged and unusable for years now. Things like this, you know, like so there's no there's no renovations being done on these already very old and quite, you know, rundown buildings. Definitely not enough to cover this um, these rent increases. And so, um, yeah, and so even though it's a couple, only a little, you know, like a couple percentage points, this all stacks up, right? Like, um, so Charlene Henry, who is the chair of the 33 King Street Tenants Association, said that an increase of a few percentage points can have a significant impact in today's affordability crisis. She says, when I have a working class person, just like myself, look at me in the elevator at five in the morning on the way to work and say, we need to win this because at the end of the month, I choose rent over food. My stomach turns, she said. So, and uh, after a large reduction on an earlier rent increase, because they've staged a series of rent strikes already up to this point. Um, So there was an earlier increase that went through and they they did a um, rent strike that they managed to bargain it back down. But a bunch of those tenants had already paid in advance because, you know, that's how typically rent always works. And then the the increase was cut, which means that because they're paying in advance, the landlord actually owes a lot of the residents money. So they're, you know, it's like they're owed money, but they're still having to pay this rent that is, you know, still increasingly more unaffordable. But the their landlords, a company called Dream, say that they actually don't owe anything back because they're planning more rent increases that they expect to already be approved so that that money that they've already been paid in advance, they're not going to pay it back because they're going to make it up down the line anyway, which is, um, which is truly wretched behavior. If they, um, you know, if you, if they um, did owe them the money, they should pay them back. And then when those things get approved, they can sort it out then. But uh, hopefully with the ongoing, uh, renters strike those you know increases won't get approved or there will be some kind of mitigation at some point but um yeah i guess we'll keep seeing how this develops because it's um it's building up momentum like so the residents at king street and one of the other addresses like i said they've done multiple smaller rent strikes up to this point and every time it gets bigger so every time more people and even other residents from other buildings around the city have picked up and been like, well, they're doing it so we can do it. So, um, yeah. So about 500 tenants across the city at the moment are doing it. We'll keep checking in. Um, it would be amazing to see a much wider, you know, a a much bigger scale rent strike across most of the city because, um, yeah, like, uh, Charlene Henry said, there is an affordability crisis and that's not just in Ontario either. That's, Basically, it seems like every week we're talking about a different city where there's a housing crisis, a cost of living crisis, an affordability crisis, uh, you know, the inherent contradictions of capitalism, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that one and see how that develops. But Mule, 
why don't you tell us about what is happening with those trade unions over in India? Oh, yes. So there has been um, a bit of news, basically, uh, that people may have seen where Israel has conscripted, hired a bunch of people from India, a bunch of workers from India uh, to go and sort of redevelop Gaza once they are, uh, you know, done flattening it, removing uh, the the Gazan people from existence. Just absolutely vile, disgusting shit. However, construction workers from India should not be used to replace Palestinian workers in Israel, said major Indian trade unions in a joint statement issued on Thursday, the 9th of November. This is absolutely incredible. The signed statement was released on behalf of the Center of Indian Trade Unions, or Center... Uh, of Indian Trade Unions, CITU, All India Trade Union Congress, AITUC, Indian National Trade Union Congress, INTUC, and even BJP affiliated Hind Mazur or Hind Mazur Sabha HMS, among others, stating that Indian trade unions must rise in solidarity with Palestine and reject the disastrous idea. Uh, disastrous is quoted. Uh, the central trade unions have called upon the Indian government to scrap the agreement signed in May 2023 during Israeli Foreign Minister Eli Cohen's visit to send 42,000 workers to Israel. Raya Saba MP Sakit Gokal post on uh, Twitter posted on Twitter saying, these Indian workers will be replacing Palestinians, which means they'll be given the absolutely worst jobs that Israel's apartheid regime was forcing Palestinians to do. And why is Israel asking India to send laborers instead of any other country? That's because we're still seen by these countries as a source of cheap labor with no rights and not as Wish Wagaru. Uh, and Tim, our correspondent, Red Planet correspondent, editor, uh, all... all all jack of all trades tim says from my research wishgaru uh sorry wishwagaru means world teacher linked with modi's world mission and hindu nationalist ideas of superiority so basically so, sort of like you know there's a little bit of aryan language going on in there but oh yeah he um, has this like I, this idea that he pushes of like this is this is who india is we are this kind of like um you know like this world teacher like we set this example through our kind of like you know like our our um yeah like our example through i mean a lot of it's linked to his like hindu nationalism and cultural idea like his cultural project or whatever so um he's spinning it as like this is they want you know like they want indian labor because we'll show them how it's done because because of you know we're so yeah, awesome and yeah. such an example or whatever whereas um uh this guy Sakit is actually going i actually know it's because they see us as cheap mm. labor just like they did with palestinians right. which um yeah i think is like it just it comes down to money and an exploitable labor class yeah. really right? yeah absolutely um, but that's it, really. And um, we have some uh, close by news yeah, uh, in just a, a hop across the border. state. Just across the border. Tell us about that, Sophie. Uh, sure. Uh, Bangladeshi garment workers' uh, strike has shut down over 300 factories. So uh, tens of thousands of garment workers uh, in Bangladesh have gone on strike, shutting down over 300 factories. Um, the largest, I think, march of this was 15,000 workers in one place. But uh, the police, uh, which we'll get to in a second, were reporting uh, several different congregations of like 10,000 workers in different places shutting stuff down. Um, Bangladesh's 3,500 garment factories account for up to or about 85% of its uh, 55 billion 
dollars in annual exports, supplying many of the world's top brands, including Levi's, Zara, and H&M. These workers are paid as little as $75 per month. That's not day, week, that's per month. Uh, which, imagine? So you can understand the frustration and the desperation of the strikers. Uh, striking workers marching on the 9th of November vandalized vehicles and property and threw stones and bricks at police. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of the uh, workers concerned by pop, like by um, just just by demographic, I guess, are women. Um, the one of the main strike organizers, uh, who is a woman, was arrested, I think, quite violently. I saw a picture of her in a stretcher. Um, yeah, uh, so there's been ongoing clashes, um, and large brands have the benefit from the cheap labor have written to the Prime Minister of Bangladesh to ask for a successful conclusion to wage negotiations, which I think uh, it's worth us taking a moment to point out means that they're asking to uh, make sure these strikes are suppressed, make sure that they don't lose any of their margin on uh, the, the, the the price of labor going up. Um, it's also implicitly, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a threat that they will take their business to a different state. Uh, which has cheaper labor uh, if the prime minister doesn't keep the wages low there. Um, yeah, exporting union busting to the imperial periphery. But Tim, uh, mm. back in, back, well, actually here. So you, to, from, from Aotearoa, please tell me about something going on in Britain, specifically in uh, Kent. Yeah, well, yeah, in, um, in old Kent, uh, hundreds of activists have got together and shut down an arms factory in Kent this morning. Well, so was it yesterday morning? Yes. I think. I don't know, with time zones, maybe even the day before with it. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, around 400 people left London on eight coaches in the early hours this morning to take part in the action organized by the new group Workers for a Free Palestine. And they were calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. So, as workers and trade unionists, we have the power to disrupt arms supplies to Israel. We're taking this action because we will not stand by and let genocide happen with the backing of the British government and its arms industry, an organizer told Navarro Media. BAE Systems produces the, um, what is it? It's like... The, oh, the like Hellfire missiles, is that what it is? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a targeting system oh, um, yes. used by uh, Israel's F-35 fighter jets um, currently being used to bombard Gaza. So, um, yeah, and so these targeting systems are made by BAE Systems Rochester. At the start of this year, Israel produce, purchased 25 additional F-35 jets, taking its total fleet to 75. It's the only country in the Middle East to own any of the high-tech and deadly aircrafts, which is currently using in its bombardment of Gaza. Israel force, Israeli forces have killed over 10,000 Palestinians in Gaza in the last four weeks, including more than 4,000 children. Around 15% of the aircraft's components are made in the United Kingdom, according to a campaign against arms trades, uh, representing tens of millions of pounds to the British arms industry each year. Alexandra, a teacher taking part in Friday's blockade, said, As a teacher, seeing 185 schools and other educational institutions in Gaza bombed is utterly heartbreaking. If our government and the Labour opposition won't support a ceasefire, as workers, we will continue to take action to stop the slaughter of civilians in our names, funded by our taxes. The British arms industry, which is subsidized by public money, is involved in the mass killing of Palestinians. We're here today to disrupt the Israeli war machine and take a stand against our government's complicity. 
So, yeah, and the organizer pointed out that the group's actions are rapidly gaining, gaining momentum, with almost three times as many people taking part this time. There's a growing network of workers and trade unionists who want to organize in solidarity with Palestinians, they said. We will continue to escalate our actions until we see a ceasefire and an end to UK complicity in Israeli war crimes. A member of Workers in Palestine, a coalition of major Palestinian trade unions, said massive marches send a powerful message, but it's equally important to exert targeted pressures on governments and corporations that profit from the arms trade with Israel. We salute all trade unionists who took up the call made by the Palestinian trade union movement and acted decisively against complicity. Only such clear actions by people of conscience can bring an end to Israel's impunity. Um... I want to, wow. yeah, it's Base. so good. This I want to add to this um, two things. One, uh, this technically counts as our comrades of the show section because Amar Deep Dylan, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, they were at this action, um, and I asked them on Blue Sky to do uh, a write up for us if they had time, uh, but they said, "Oh, listen, Novara just did it anyway, so just take stuff from there." So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, big up Amar. Uh, thanks so much for alerting us to this. And also, um, as Sophie was saying, I think last week, this was echoes of uh, Ney Passaran, the, the story yeah. of uh, the Glaswegian uh, uh, engineers who blacklisted certain engines that were going to be used for Pinochet's planes in the 80s and the 70s. Um, and if you are super doomed and doomery and feeling very pessimistic about what's going on in Gaza um, and all that kind of stuff, then just remember that actually the, the small action that these guys did in their... Uh, factory in Glasgow back in the day might not have necessarily stopped a bunch of people from dying because we know that Pinochet's regime murdered loads of people and it was very horrible and murdered But at the very, very end of the movie, spoilers ahead, so mute your ears for the next 10 seconds, uh, they find out that they might have helped someone's dad or granddad get released from prisoner of war camp by using that those machines to bargain uh, uh, with with the state of chile and pinochet's regime so even if this is this is what it means solidarity in terms of like you don't know what is going to come of it but you know it's the right thing to do and that's what counts that's the most important part it may not it may not completely you know make a huge dent in israel's firepower or anything but there's going to be something that comes of it later down the line now speaking of firepower I'm going to tell you now um, about a bunch of crypto enthusiasts, uh, ApeFest attendees who were blinded by the sheer power of NFTs and also libertarians operating UV lights. Uh, so, you know, this... Okay, look, I'm not going to... I'm not the boss of you. I'm an anarchist. You can laugh at this if you want. I personally will not be laughing at it because I think my heart's in the right place. I feel sorry for these boys. It's not funny at all. Why are when you, you laughing? When you get to the when you get to the floor price bit, we'll revisit this. <laughs> Go on. Why are you still laughing? Why are you still laughing? Uh, anyway, uh, the the latest in a long, long, funny, long history of libertarians finding out the hard way what health and safety regulations are for. Board Ape Yacht Club members have suffered potentially permanent eye damage after a light show at an event exclusively for holders of Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs. Uh, there have been many reports via social media of attendees suffering eye pain and even requiring hospital visits, with one attendee warning, don't ignore this health hazard. Without proper treatment, it may cause long-lasting vision impairment and other serious damage. So, 
Yes, I can't believe all these sickos in our Twitch chat laughing at this, you absolute bastards. What's wrong with you? Uh, fix your hearts or die. Um, this next bit you won't find funny even remotely. Uh, Twitter users, <laughs> Twitter users have hypothesized based on a similar mishap. It's not even, I'm just laughing because I'm nervous. It's not, it's not funny. Twitter users have hypothesized based on similar mishap at an event in Hong Kong that the organizers may have used UVC light bulbs. That's UV hyphen C light bulbs, which are not for light shows, but rather use, they're actually used for the disinfection of surfaces. The floor price or the cheapest you can buy an NFT for for a bored ape today is 28 ethereum or $53,000 our thoughts <laughs> our thoughts and deepest sympathies are with the staff who were forced to work this event for probably minimum wage yes I yeah, agree absolutely I, um, you know I, I was saying to you before the show I think about that post um, imagine <laughs> paying $53,000 for a JPEG you can't see um <laughs> and I just think about how much it would upset uh, someone to see that post, but they can't. So it's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Sophie, tell you. us, tell us about some more. <laughs> I, I got to get so professional right now. I got to get so professional and read this very serious story. Okay. Um, Anti-Zionist protesters sabotage a Friends of the IDF fundraiser event. Uh, on November 5th, Friends of the IDF uh, tried to hold a fundraiser gala for the IDF as an opportunity to solicit donations, auction items to raise funds for the IDF, give support, uh, sorry, give speeches in support of the genocide and screen propaganda. While uh, liberal protesters uh, basically engaged in, uh, you know, um, awareness raising and uh, symbolic protest outside, uh, in, out front of the gala, a group of autonomous anti-Zionist activists shut it down using direct sabotage by filling the venue's water system with concrete, causing a sewerage backup and rendering the venue uninhabitable. So, um, yeah. So, I, I, before I go on with this, like we are going to be talking about um, about symbolic protest and a, a awareness raising protest a lot in this episode. Uh, we are not um, a lot of this communique kind of talks. Um, condemningly about the uh, the more liberal protesters and uh i think it's fa it's fair to say we support a diversity of tactics uh as as long as they've each been kind of assessed for their um their, yeah. their usefulness um there's plenty of symbolic protest that is useless um yeah. but this is you know actually stopping uh this has actually stopped the gala from happening which has actually stopped money going to support genocide so you know pretty pretty like demonstrable how much more useful this was that said uh, the 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 other protest arguably drew attention, which made it easier for the sabotage to take place. So again, diversity of tactics. All right, this is a communique from the activists. For Palestine, two rebels everywhere with deepest love and ancestral rage. We gathered with heavy hearts and humble hands, holding a promise for a world safer from white supremacist settler colonial violence. Those who declare war on original peoples and pillage sacred life and land will face retribution. There has been a great fire building. May it overflow and take all enemies of life with it. May it create fertile grounds for victory against violent occupiers. We took it upon, our, uh, upon ourselves to make sure these fascists could not gather. Rather than the constant reactivity and rigidness of mass protest spectacles, we wanted to hit them where it fucking hurts. You cannot, damage, uh, you cannot do damage to the Zionist project by merely engaging with its facade. You must strike at its soulless heart. You must strike at, at its veins, brackets, supply chains, logistics, cash flows, infrastructure. 
While the Liberals were congratulating themselves for having their non-threatening photo op parade out in front of the gala, our people were out of sight at work on the veins of the building. Palestinians have suffered decades of Israeli soldiers and settlers restricting and destroying their access to water, often bricking up or concrete sorry, bricking up or concreting any water source not directly under strict control of the occupation forces, cutting off Palestinian access to the Jordan River while draining it to near extinction for settlement monocrop agriculture, shooting holes in Palestinian water towers, bombing Gazan water treatment facilities, poisoning Palestinian springs and enforcing water apartheid in order to exert total control over Palestinian life. We decided to give these Zionist bootlickers a taste of their own medicine. So, um, they uh as i said they 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 uh, opened up the the uh a part of the water infrastructure of this building uh which i believe was a museum where the venue uh which was the venue for the gala and they um they they poured concrete into it which caused a backup uh meaning that all, all the toilets would overflow uh and all uh like and no more water like no more clean water would be able to enter the building as well um this is why i said that it makes the uh, the venue uninhabitable uh which they say in a in a bit in a second uh so it goes on to detail exactly how they engage in their sabotage there's a diagram uh in the communique and step-by-step instructions uh saying we cracked open the water main for the house the building housing the gala switched it off and filled the box with fresh con- concrete this form of sabotage is quick and incredibly easy to replicate and the tools are quite cheap. It also renders the building in question completely uninhabitable and unusable. The communique is signed off as follows. This was executed by a group of autonomous anti-Zionists and anarchist saboteurs. We have no name. We are not an organization. We are not an entity. Do not try to find us. We are everywhere and we will not stop. Palestine will be free. (laughs) That's so fucking good. I love that. It's so good. It goes so, so hard. Yeah, I think it's important for us to see there's more and more direct sabotage going on, as well as the protests that have been absolutely astounding in solidarity uh, with Gazans. Um, yeah, to see this kind of direct sabotage, uh, there were those people um, blockading the boat in, Austra- uh, in an Australian port. I can't remember quite where mm. right now. Um, and they were just like getting out in the water Melbourne, in front of I it. Think. Melbourne, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some in Australia with the jet Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, this is reminding me, Tim, you'll know what I'm talking about. This is reminding me of the triangle of sadness bit where all the toilets overflow and all the rich people are like swimming around in shit. Like, (laughs) yeah, I, I hope that's how it went down because it's like, cause even, um, there's a lot of stuff that happens when you, uh, when you fuck with the water pressure like that, it's not just that water doesn't come out of the taps, but there's all kinds of things, like all kinds of well, mechanisms. Shit could be coming out of the taps. Yeah. On... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I, there's like, um, it relies on like, you know, like vacuums and water pressure and air pressure and things like that. So any number of, of fun situations. Could have, um, <laughs> Extreme happened. fun. I for want to enjoy uh, a calamity ridden day at the, uh, you know, white supremacist museum trade gala. <laughs> <laughs> Just a wacky water slide for all of those fucking fascist bastards. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it's great. Um, I particularly like how it is inspired by, you know, like what um, the IDF do to people, not just living in Gaza, but just, you know, like Palestinians living legally in occupied Palestinian ter- territory. It's a super regular thing. I was reading about it the other day where it's just like, you could just be a, a family that lived by yourself out 
in the middle of nowhere, have a little farm or something like that. And they might just come and just, you know, like empty your water tanks yep. or just do stuff, just, you know, just like, just ridiculous stuff like that. It's this process of like long-term kind of like intimidation um, just to make things harder for them, you know? And this is like everything from like sabotaging crops by water to, you know, just even just like, you know, drinking water and things like that. So um, yeah, it's great to see a little bit, them getting a little bit of a taste of their own medicine. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone could, like, if you, if someone was to make a case against it, saying that it's like, you know, it's it's so extreme, it's, you know, it's dangerous or whatever like that. It's like not hard to turn it around right. and be like, look, well, this is, you know, this is what the, you know, this is what the people of Palestine have to deal with every day. You can't condemn this action on an, you know, an inner city place where everyone in there has easy yes. access to other water. Every single one like of that. those fascist piece of shit, rich cunts are going to go to their hotel rooms, drink their fucking Voss water in their posh cylinders, you know what I mean? Like, fucking pricks. Who gives a fuck if they can't use the bogs for an hour? Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Tim, you've so, got yeah. a a little a little more good news for us right here, haven't you? Uh yes. So, um, good news for people that like uh, film and TV and everything that you know, everything uh, related to that. SAG AFTRA in uh, is in negotiations to end the strike pending the a member vote, which should come through in a couple of days. So. Technically, they've effectively ended it. Um, they've all they've basically agreed that the ending ending it is just a formality of actually doing the vote to say yes, we're we're ending it. Um, so yeah, on the eleventh, uh, SAG after released a tentative deal with studio executives, effectively ending the one hundred and eighteen day long strike. That's so long, one hundred and eighteen days. But you know, uh, they held out. You know, they keep they stayed pretty true to what they originally wanted there was a couple of like little you know give or take things here and there but um yeah so the deal is still pending until the union members vote is tallied on december the 5th but the guild says that some of the features agreed on will take effect during the ratification process such as certain pay rises so that means even though it isn't signed in yet some of these pay rises are going to come in immediately or over the next uh, couple weeks or so until it kicks in and so um, some highlights from the agreement include streaming revenue. So, yeah, initially they were going for like a percentage, you know, like royalties, but they actually ended up agreeing on, what is it? So, yeah, the Guild says they have achieved the creation of a new compensation stream for actors and streaming shows and movies. So, um, yeah, I think that was instead of royalties, it's like they get bonuses that pay out for like, I think it's like streaming milestones and things like that. Um, so it's like they said it's a substantial bonus on top of existing residuals. And um, yeah, so uh, it'll go to actors working on programs, meeting certain viewership requirements. So yeah, if the show is successful, they'll get bonuses and stuff. And then um, some of that money will also go to a jointly trusted distribution fund and distributed to other actors. So there's like, they get these bonuses when it hits a certain point when the shows become, you know, like profitable or whatever like that. Um, some of that goes directly to the people that acted in it. And then some of it goes to another fund that goes to other actors that, you know, like, so it's not just the people that are in the successful shows that are benefiting from that one. Um 
The next one was other pay considerations. This is a broader one. So it says guild members will get two wage increases in the first year of the contract, making a compounded first year increase of 11.28% with further bumps in following years. And background actors, so, you know, just like extras and stuff, uh, we'll see similar increases, but with more of an upfront increase, as well as a 153% effective increase for series performance relocations. So I looked that up a little bit. I'm pretty sure it refers to how if they're shooting a series, actors will have to like, m- you know, move relocate to the filming location or whatever. So sometimes they have to do this, like, you know, you do one series and you've got to uproot your life and go stay over there for a little while. And you're expected to do that on the same, you know, pay as if you were just at home or whatever. And sometimes they're renting other houses, all this kind of stuff. So that's a huge bump for them. Um, next one is uh, artificial intelligence. So this was a huge one. This was like one of the big ones that really kind of kicked it off initially. Same with the writer's strike. And that's why the writer's strike, um, began at the same time and they both were kind of striking in solidarity with each other. So then when the writers guild ended their strike, a lot of the writers continued striking with the actors as well because of stuff like AI. So yeah, the guild says that they've secured meaningful protections around the use of AI, including informed consent and compensation where guild members are replicated digitally using AI, both for living and dead members and whether the replicas are created on set or licensed for for use. So this is like, you know, being licensed out. Like, you know, sure, they do the, you know, the act and the part of the movie. Like I saw Nicolas Cage talking about he did one for a DC movie recently where he was like, you know, he was like this minor little role in a multiverse thing where he was Superman. And he was like, I didn't do any of this shit. Like they filmed me for a second and then like they built all this other shit with a parallel universe in which Nick Cage uh, played Superman. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, but no, so that was actually a thing. So the thing is, no, no, I I know he was nearly cast for it, but like, you know, a a parallel universe in which they paid him to do the work that they like putting him on screen. (laughs) So that's, you know, things like that, where it's like they use this actor's likeness and they, you know, they might get them on set for a minute and they film something, but then they just, you know, do other stuff. And so, um, yeah. And so for stuff like in a movie, so that's what's considered digitally, you know, created on set, but then licensed for use is when, you know, like if they make an, an ad or a video game or anything like that, you know, like a McDonald's tie-in or something like that, where they use that actor's likeness further there, that's covered as well now. Um, yeah, so that was a huge part of it because the Writers Guild, they were worried about AI for, you know, like using it in writers' rooms where they basically just throw in chat GPT shit at the wall, you know, making a show about it. But whereas the actors were more um, worried about being replaced either by, uh, you know, a digital replication of themselves or whatever, or just straight up, there was um, there's been a bunch of Disney shows that have been busted for having like extras, background actors, just fully replaced with um, you know digital like uh, kind of actors or whatever. Um, so yeah, so this kind of pushes back against that a little bit. Um, there's also some stuff in the agreement for healthcare and retirement. So they upped the inc- the contribution caps from um, the productions for their 
you know, for the amount that they get added to like retirement schemes and all that kind of stuff. So that means that more money in general just goes to their, these funds. And, um, and it also, there was this stuff to help keep actors qualified for some of these benefits, whereas like sometimes they could, you know, become unqualified for certain things. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff to address things like um, diversity in the industry from um, there's a lot of stuff to make sets and um, just the entire kind of thing safer for people, particularly, um, you know, like uh, there's preventative measures against like sexual harassment, sexual misconduct. Um, there's what else is there? There's there's some stuff for gender affirming care for actors as well. Um, there's and um, some stuff to address biased practices in hair and makeup. So this was you know for everything from like um, you know there's like a lot of people, particularly like black actors and actresses, that they have trouble with. Um, you know, like makeup artists kind of doing the right kind of like shade makeup for them, but also. Um, even the way that it comes out on stage, like the way that people are lit, it's like very different to light a scene when you've got like someone who is really light skinned. When really you dark see skin. like uh, stuff that's been filmed with darker skinned people that's been lit correctly and, and like makes them look good, you like the moment you see that the first time, and I'm, say- I'm saying it this way around because it's so fucking rare and that's so infuriating. But once you see it, you then see like, um how people with darker skin are lit and practically everything else and it's just like you can never like stop seeing it it's It's so frustrating it's so so cringe yeah 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 and so yeah and like um even like like makeup comes into that with you know like the way that light bounces off and all that kind of stuff but um yeah and there's also just like you know more kind of diversity requirements and stuff just for like different you know like actors and stuff but um yeah so in a press conference um Fran Drescher who is one of the leaders of SAG-AFTRA Guild um said that studios had heard that something had to be done or this was not going to end well. So they worked internally to come up with some kind of modality. Um, And that's her speaking about the bonus structure versus the percentage scheme that was initially proposed. Drisha continued saying that although the guild knew that the, that it wasn't going to accomplish what we needed to accomplish, uh, she had to say, wrap my mind around the fact that we needed to make this work if we were going to get into another pocket ultimately she said what mattered is that we got into another pocket and we did um i had to what is it is it i had to wrap my mind around that and not make the perfect the enemy of the good so she's saying that they did eventually compromise um particularly in regards to the the royalties kind of thing but that um you know that she's satisfied with the result that they got where um you know they they brought the deal home so um yeah cool uh so that's another that's another strike finished um you know successfully writer's strike and actors strike down which means that we're probably going to start seeing more tv shows and movies and stuff coming out and hopefully this means that um with these protections for writers and actors that they're going to be of uh, a better standard because, you know, we've been seeing some slop lately. <laughs> um, and uh, and I'm, I'm ready for something good. Um, but yeah, that's the news for this week. Um, before we get into yep. it, let's um, take a little minute to remind everyone that uh, the Red Planet stream is made possible by the direct support of you, the viewers, oh, the listeners. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
specifically patreon.com slash red underscore planet yeah 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 um so check that out if you want to help uh contribute to keeping the show going um so we recently just last week like just after the show finished i think we hit our it was goal. actually as the show um, was finishing but we all kept the kept the game face on and didn't uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, the show. yeah. yeah. <laughs> incredible professionalism from the team but we hit our goal what are you saying <laughs> hmm. yeah 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 so um which was to hire a um an editor to kind of help do everything from like little clips of the show to, you know, actually like um, just taking more pressure off Conrad, our producer, who does a lot of that stuff already. So um, he can focus just on other stuff. And now we're going to be able to get someone that is specifically just for editing. Um, but the next step, we would like to hire a production assistant and researcher to um, kind of, you know, again, take more pressure off because, Conrad does a lot of this stuff, but we also do a lot of yeah. this stuff individually as the hosts and yeah. stuff. So and we can um, all focus on uh, being like yeah. really hot and cool and funny only, and not have to know anything about yeah, the yeah. news. I need a lot of um, practice on that. Well, I mean, I just um, I'm just thinking we'll like like look at how hot and cool and funny we already are. Imagine if we could focus on that 24 <laughs> seven. It was the only thing that we as the hosts had to do. Imagine how powerful we all become um, <laughs> if we didn't have to like, turn into the think. Giga Chad. <laughs> yeah um, Mule is coming you know what else um, as well as that uh as well as so the the note says keeping our staff in gruel uh yeah as well as as well as getting connor at his gruel uh, our patreon also helps us produce extra content like our conspiracy theory analysis history and theory podcast limited hangout uh last week uh, we were describing this as our conspiracy theory podcast and i wanted to just clarify that we have not started a spinoff podcast where we invent conspiracy theories no. the one where we talk about conspiracy theories that exist we and should. I mean, I mean, <laughs> limited <laughs> hangouts uh, five will be about Pete, Pete Buttigieg, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna spit bars for like two straight hours. <laughs> um, <Yes. laughs> um, uh, yeah, as well as that, so we got uh, limited hangout, which is a little spinoff. Uh, it's for patrons only at the moment. Um, it may remain that way. We'll see. Uh, it's available to all patrons though, uh, and it's uh, basically we talk about the reality of something like. Bill Gates is the first episode, and then we talk about how conspiracy theories work, and then we talk about what the conspiracy theories are about the thing, for example, Bill Gates, and uh, you can kind of see, you can understand it better with an example. Um, also, our upcoming documentary about the ZAD, the Zone à Défendre in uh, Notre Dame des Landes, and we have plans to produce additional documentary projects uh, next year. So all of that is made possible by the support of our patrons and also uh, becomes available early to our patrons. So really consider checking out yeah, I think. Did you mention limited hangouts to the Democrats? Oh, I mean that is true. That's, There's a second that's episode out up literally. Now. Yeah, yeah. Two days ago that was put up, so you could yeah. go and listen to limited hangout number two. Yeah, if you want to know about the Democrats. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, check out patreoncom red underscore planet. There'll be more on ways to support the show at the end of the show. But now uh, it's time for the main discussion. Protest, police, and press, the voice of the people, the immediate control of it by the state, and the ways that the media presents the people back to themselves. With protests against Israeli occupation heating up and just up oil protesters vilified constantly in the British press, today we're discussing the relationship between public protest and the state organs of ideological and physical control, the press and the police. Um, so I think it's really important uh, to say we're going to be talking about um, primarily examples uh, with the British press, because I think we have probably the most captured press like in 
in uh like the anglo and euro sphere like the it's really fucking bad it's unbelievable um i don't know maybe australia might might edge us out i'm not quite australia is awful i I mean murdoch's from there so yeah that's the uh you know like it's um it's his home turf that's definitely like true because i think the way that that murdoch kind of runs his worst stories is is he well it's obviously not murdoch himself but like the murdoch press the board whatever they decide to run that month or whatever they 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 proto run it in australia first and then they decide based on the reception whether that's like good for britain good for the usa etc battle tested on australian minds (laughs) um so um, yeah so i uh yeah we're going to talk about the british press but i think i think this is stuff that just is uh broadly how like uh we want to have a a discussion about like how capitalist media interacts with capitalist states and like one of the most uh direct ways of that is that there's this weird sort of like triangular relationship when there's a protest and then there are police on the ground at the protest and then there's press reporting on not just the protesters but also on how the police have acted um and it becomes this very interesting continual relationship um so like my first example i have um there were people who were yeah there were people who were on the ground tweeting at a um at a just stop oil protest in london earlier in the week um and basically what was happening was they'd shut down waterloo bridge uh as they frequently do and um it's yeah it's worth saying at this point uh just up oil have a like a very strict like strategy guide that they that they always let emergency vehicles who are showing blue lights through so if 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 emergency vehicles are indicating that they need to be somewhere urgently they let them through because in their general like um strategy of trying to array, like raise awareness and sympathy and like urgency about the climate crisis they don't want people thinking that they don't value human life because that's kind of the you know a, a huge part of their whole deal is valuing human life um so like if it were up to the protesters they absolutely would have let the ambulance through um but they were tweeting that on the ground like they were tweeting tweeting from waterloo bridge about how the cops were forming a line and not letting the ambulance through and the the protesters were saying to them to like to to let it through and they weren't and they were saying as this was happening like they're going to report that we stopped the ambulance and we didn't uh just a couple of days later i see on sky news just stop oil activists block ambulance on blue lights on waterloo bridge right um this is kind of a fascinating example right because we just see like even though the pro- it's also like one of those interesting examples of where like social media gets to debunk um like these kinds of lies like in 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 not only real time but like two days ahead of time in this instance um yeah but also yeah it's an interesting example in terms of like how um protest is filtered through the media in this way um so like if the press were i mean you know this is sky news so literally like literally murdoch press but like if they were interested in reporting the truth here like um the story would would be explaining that like the 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 publicly available information that like this is not the case uh rather they're completely distorting it um and you know i don't want to i don't want to kind of talk um conspiratorially like you know speaking of limited hangouts uh like as if um as if this is a kind of direct collusion of the police doing this thing and then the the press working with them uh, I think it's more important for us to understand the ways that um, 
the ways that uh, capitalist incentives come together to create a political agenda of, of defending capital, defending the state, defending the police. Uh, so well, yeah. um, we've talked about, uh, uh, Tim, you brought up the, the propaganda model before. I always yeah, do. It's your favorite thing. <laughs> You're my propaganda <laughs> model boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, it is probably Chomsky's like greatest kind of contribution yeah. to um, to do the discourse. Um, it's uh, for those of you that haven't um, heard heard us talk about it before. Um, uh, Chomsky and another guy whose name escapes me for uh for now uh, wrote a book manufacturing consent uh about a detail something called the propaganda model which is uh it's like a description of the way that media i not believe you to i can't believe you completely of... forgot about edward s herman <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and um yeah, so uh, and it describes how I guess like the the media landscape um, operates to um, to push certain views yeah. and uh, to suppress other ones, and sometimes it's not even uh, intentional. It's um, so there's they come up with five different filters, um, and it's kind of this way where it's like, and you know all these news stories will come down, and if you imagine like these five different yeah. filters that filter out like they knock these ones out they knock these ones out and then you know by the time you've passed through all five filters only certain story uh, only certain um perspectives yeah, remain absolutely, absolutely. um yeah and uh so it's 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 more complicated than that but that's the general just yeah things. i think we should but, um, we should talk from the kind of from the like the five filters way of looking at it for now because it's like i mean because we're making a podcast and like so we'll have to be simple but um do you do you know the five things i've got them here pop quiz time um you've got them <laughs> okay if you've got them there you read them because i don't have them okay. in front of me the, the 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 last one that's always listed but i think it's worth saying first here is like uh a kind of mccarthyist like anti-communist fear um that's just like broadly against anything that is challenging the capitalist status quo and i think that like that's really worth us talking about when we just talked about this uh, just a oil example and we'll get to like um gaza solidarity protests in a minute but like because um it's it's one of those strange things where like climate protests um demand uh, keep on demanding bigger change than they kind of seem to realize in some senses like there's a lot of liberals and liberal organizations who are like we're not socialists we don't support any particular ideology we just want you to shut down oil and it's like well shutting down oil you know as i detail in the world is not ending like is shutting down like the american empire shutting down global imperialist capitalism <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so like you know so it, it, it is actually anti-communist or like sorry an anti-capitalist or a communist perspective to say those things uh even if it's not being explicitly said and in a weird sense like the more liberal orgs like xr who who say like we're not ideological um are are like the the press realize in more real terms like how how leftist and how anti-capitalist what their protest is better than they do um yes yes but yeah like there's this there's this broad grouping that like is very observable that like every left-wing uh political action must be bad um and, and yeah we'll go over some more examples in a bit there's a great clip of chomsky actually in an interview saying um there's this big um 
a piece of like common knowledge and um you know gramsci says uh common knowledge is just the the ideology of the ruling class like (laughs) common knowledge and common sense is just like is just like how you're supposed to understand things according to the people in charge Mm. um there's this piece of common knowledge chomsky says that the 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 media is left-wing Right. And it is this thing that like every, everyone knows, right? The media is left wing. People in the media are a bunch of liberals. The media is liberal and left wing. And so it's repeated so often and, and, and checked against constantly. And this is part of how this like anti-communist filter works is that like they perceive their own bias as being too left wing. And so they need to like check constantly that they're not being too left wing and filter out left wing perspectives to counter that. And so you have people, you know, just, just, uh, yeah, uh, advertising the national front's new hairdo as you like to put it um uh on national news uh and 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 stoking domestic fascism um all the while everyone's like the media is too left wing one of the really bizarre things that we've seen in britain in the last few years is like a um stop paying your tv license defund the bbc um movement that is not from the left for all of the horrible shit that the bbc does like the bbc is at this point like a propaganda mouthpiece for the Tory government and has been for a few years and the like and the like abolish the BBC defund the BBC don't pay your TV license stuff does not come from does not come from people opposing the 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 Tories it comes from people who think that it's not being Tory enough because it's common knowledge that they're all left wing we've definitely had that down here as well like currently there's a big thing um you know like these people complaining about like our mainstream media like the Herald and stuff and saying that um you know like they're saying that uh, all of these places have like this bias against Israel and stuff, which is wild because like they've been running stories about the, you know, Israel and Palestine only having, you know, like a perspective from like Israeli people and not even talking to a single Palestinian or like even mentioning that there are like Palestinian civilians, you know, it's just like this very like one-sided thing. It's like these people, think that that is left wing because they're not saying like oh we need to just yeah. like completely you know <laughs> we need to put a theme park on top of them or whatever like that it's like you know it's like it's yeah, yeah it's absolutely deranged you know it's the same thing where they're like of course of course the media is lefties of course they are it's all like, right so okay. the next point in the propaganda model is access so if you're a journalist uh you're supposed to be able to talk to the people involved in the story you need to know what they're saying you need to report on it uh, if you don't have access to them, then you're going to be less good at being a journalist because you won't be able to interview Keir Starmer about how the the collapsing schools is a metaphor for the collapsing government. Except it's not, is it? It's a it's real, real fucking concrete that could actually fall on children and kill them. Not that Keir Starmer cares. Um, you need access, right? So access works as a filter because if you are too hostile to the people who you know could be your sources, but specifically the ones who have many mouthpieces you could be the one who's excluded if you're too hostile right because if they can choose in a in a free market setting right between all of the different journalistic uh publications and and you're trying to press them too hard and 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 the reason that someone would be this person has many different options for um for who to speak to is because they're a person in power of course um that's just how it will tend um like how yeah how it will how it will tend to be because because uh like, oh, I, I mean, I can speak from some experience of this, actually. Like, when that Tory councillor um, claimed that I said that I wiped my, I would wipe my hands on my penis in a in a pub bathroom, 
she got to go write in the Daily Mail about it, and then the Evening Standard just republished her piece, like mostly mostly uh, quoting from it. And then, like, I had um, I had a couple of uh, people reach out in Twitter DMs, um, uh, and I had to like turn turn them down mostly, but it was because like because they're the British press who are like horrifically transphobic. Because I was like, nah, fuck that, and I ended up only giving an interview to a trans org and to uh, Rolling Stone because they're American, um, and because the journalist who who reached out was non-binary, also um, <laughs> probably wouldn't have even bothered otherwise. But like. But, you know, it's like she got to write a, a, a completely bizarre, made-up thing in the Daily Mail. And probably uh, got paid you know, a lot of money for it as well. Because <laughs> she's a, yeah, because she's a Tory councillor, right? Um, uh, and so there's the sort of basic basic access thing that leads to this situation in the UK where, like, to be in journalism at all, it's all about who you know. And it completely systematically excludes like working class people, except there are like some opportunities for working class people to work in journalism if they take a job at the sun or whatever, you know, uh, destroy the sun um, or the Daily Mail or whatever. It, it's all like the complete rags that pl- like print nothing but reactionary gibberish are the ones who will actually hire some like ordinary uh, people. Um, and then And then the more kind of mainstream established it gets, the more that it, requires that you went to oxbridge and 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 know all the people um sorry so that's access so yeah if you um if you are too hostile then then you could lose access and you know when we're thinking about the police right um yeah it's it's uh it's pretty fucking dire to think like if you're talking about well someone might criticize an mp and then they're not able to like uh interview that mp to get access for a story right um that's like okay well they might still report on report on like other people might report on on the policies that are being made and do other interviews and you can still comment in that sense but when like the if 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 journalists are so eager to have access to like what the police are saying um this becomes like a a kind of i don't know a very high stakes thing uh especially when we come to protest but um maybe we'll get to that in a bit um ownership right this is a good filter in it um <laughs> Who owns the 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 big capitalist media? Well, it's the ruling you mean class. The, the means of communication. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the <laughs> uh, it's the ruling class. Isn't it? I mean, we're we're streaming on a on a on a platform that belongs to Jeff Bezos right now. Uh, even the even the you know democratized media forms uh, uh, belong to the ruling class, uh, and the police exist to protect the ruling class and their property. So this, as a filter, when it like as it regards the police, it's like very clear to see how how this filter will work right because so so we're already sort of like two points in to where these filters will protect perspectives that um align with the police and discard perspectives that criticize the police because in terms of access right they'd rather have access to the police than to you know if there are a million protesters uh in in solidarity for gaza this weekend then like these uh, you know they can just sort of say they chanted this. the The signs say this, you know. Um, and then, like, it's the 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 what the police say that's like the um the the precious interview. Um, ownership, uh, yeah, <laughs> straightforward. Uh, flack is an interesting one. So flack is uh, basically, if if you've heard if you've not heard this term before, it um it sort of refers to well, it's it's a it's a combat metaphor, but in this case, it's referring to like um complaints angry emails letters to the editor this kind of stuff receiving criticism of your publication itself uh that you need to like spend time responding to you know if you think about this like if you have any kind of open lines of communication to the public as a publication 
right? And and you need to you you need to have those and you need to monitor them because you might get complaints in that's like, hey, you misprinted this and you accidentally wrote a slur or something. You know, it's important to be able to get like letters to the editor or what have you. Um, but these lines quickly fill up with people giving their opinions on on the pieces that you print, right? Um, and and so if we think about, again about the police, in this case, the filter is like people who like the police are definitely going to complain a lot more at negative coverage of the police than people who criticize the police are going to complain if there's positive coverage of the police or like rather like, you know, we take our perspective, right? We think the police should not exist at all. If you're like writing something that's saying that like th- that just treats the police as normal and okay and good. Um, when, have, when have any of us ever written into to, I don't know, the evening standard and been like, Hey, why aren't you police abolitionists? We are, we kind of take this implicitly as the perspective. And I'm not saying here that like, <laughs> I'm not saying here that like, we should all do letter writing campaigns to these, uh, these uh, publications. Um, but you can see how the filter works in this sense, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I mean, this is, um, this, there's a lot of the time where these things overlap, like you get a lot of flack overlaps with, um, you know, like the, the first one that we talked about, the fear, or which was initially, um, initially in the book, it was just anti-communism. And then it kind of got brought into fear with like the Islamophobia and the war against terror and the eco kind of environmental activism kind of stuff where it's like, um, you know, there's like, there, I know people that have written, written vaguely left-wing like articles or columns and stuff before and just had like people just harassing them just like just purely on the basis of them being like lefty or whatever like that you know like people sending through like mass like emails being like this person wants to you know like send everyone to gulags and all this kind of stuff and it's like an article about like rent controls (laughs) or something like that so uh, the people that the people that write in the people that harass people and do all this kind of stuff they tend to be of like particular kind of persuasions and um you know yeah absolutely it's a flack is a cursed filter on its own and it's like yeah it sucks how right they are that it that it is a filter on the on the capitalist <laughs> press right uh and yeah so the the fifth thing the fifth filter is advertising which might not seem like yes. it's an immediate um like it's an immediate uh, uh relation to the police but let's not forget the met has a considerable ad budget and and does actually spend a lot on uh recruitment ads but even besides mm. that there are a lot of other advertisers who keep these publications running by paying for ad space and they have relationships yeah. to the police as well right Re- revisit what we said about ownership like these advertisers are also of the ruling class and favor the police existing and don't want to see stuff printed in the paper that says you know get rid of the police or whatever yeah an interesting thing i think a way of thinking about it as well is that like for like so for advertisers it's like you got to think about it in the way that um they are selling advertising space to these corporations that are, or these, you know, these companies, whatever, because we're like, what they're really selling is the access to the readers, right? Like they're selling um, like the, their captive reader base or whatever like that. That's a real product, what they're selling. So there's like a total thing, like, you know, like an alignment of interests and all that kind of stuff there. Um, it's, you know, it's like, you really got to think about it that way. And then I think it starts making sense about like, you know, like, do they want to, yeah. I mean, like what's sort of saying, like, do they want to put something next to like saying they're going to sell a new, like there's a new Jeep and it's like the advertising campaign is all about like going 
camping with your family and all this kind of stuff like that. And there's certain stories that they're not going to want to run. Like these people are like, I'm not going to advertise my new Jeep if the next page is like, you know, if you open it up and it's like showing me about like dead children in, in, in Gaza, you know, like they're like, you know, like there's, um, like no one wants to advertise next to stuff like that. And it's like, you know, also just the idea that it's like things can, I guess like negate the things can negate the kind of, or um, I guess contradict the values or like the ideas of the um, advertisers, like to a certain extent, you know, and there's like a, like there's like a reasonable kind of level or whatever like that, um, you know, and um, I think that there's like, there is a level where flack can you know, like be utilized by people on the left to against advertising. I think that does happen fairly often, actually. Yeah. 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 That's a huge thing. That's how like we can push back where we can be like, Hey bro, like interesting that you want to sell your Jeeps next to this, like, you know, like this article by Captain. Nazi yeah. Man yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is a viable way like to target, ad- like use flack to target advertisers to get particular people like no platformed. Uh, we've seen it work with like, um yeah i mean a variety of guys like you said captain captain nazi man is the big example (laughs) you get a lot of these people where it's like you know like these like uh, yeah like tucker carlson etc etc where it's like they'll have um an advertiser that will just be some like random company or whatever you go like hey have you seen what you know this guy's talking about or whatever like is that the values of your company or whatever and it's um it's a surprisingly effective um way to hit someone in the pocket right and it's like obviously that you know it works on us and it works on them or whatever um most of these companies don't particularly care what is actually being said like i've seen people lose advertising or you know losing sponsors over very little it's sometimes it's even just the um the idea that like oh shit we should drop it before we get cancelled or something like that like this preemptive kind of thing where they're like oh shit oh no you know they just don't want their brand attached to a scandal or whatever so yeah but yeah so advertising is um yeah so what you you said a minute ago about um their captive audience right is the real product that they're selling to advertisers so i think it's really 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 worth us thinking for a minute about like the public who is being spoken to by the papers and the perception of who is being spoken to by the papers because this is a really really important part of the kind of well to say the news cycle would would like this is already a term but like this you know the cycle of publication and like what it does to public opinion because like there is a really real sense where like people think papers reflect public opinion and they can see that the papers are reflecting someone's opinion, like some group, like some faction of the public's opinion. And also like if, if, if so many papers are being sold, then surely it must be, it must be reflective of the general public like po- uh, population. Um, but this is just obviously like fucking nonsense. A lot of people buy newspapers to do the puzzles to check on the sports or whatever. And then they find themselves reading like, nazi propaganda yeah it's like this idea that it's like the newspapers are downstream from the public where it's like it's the other way around there's like so many times where we see like people saying or doing really like hateful things or even like just the way that the discourse changes on like social media where people are like saying all this like really just like deranged stuff and then it's like you just you know, you can see who they're following and you go back up and it's like, oh, in New Zealand, Mike, like Mike Hosking or something like that. And it's like, these media figures are saying the same things on their radio shows. They're saying the same things in their columns in the newspaper. It's like, they're shaping the, 
they're shaping the views of the, you know, the people downstream from them. And it's like, they might be doing it like, they're not saying the quiet part out loud, but usually it's like, you can see the common things here, not to be too conspiratorial. No, I I mean, I think it is worth saying like places where there's clear incitement as well. Like, um, so like uh, another example link I've brought up for the discussion today is a, a, a Daily Mail article uh, I'm very sorry, everyone, for how long this title is going to be. They're always like that. I hate the Daily Mail so much, but what do you expect? They supported Hitler. Literally, not kidding. Eco-nuisances face wrath of the bin men, colon. Refuse collector screams at, quote, idiots sitting there like a bunch of lemons, end quote, as white van man and taxi drivers move mob off-road before 28 are arrested, brackets, but emotional American woman praises, quote, brave activists, close brackets, end title. Um, normal, so... normal reporting there. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so it's like, even in the headline, we've already got like so much fucking going on at, again, as ever with the Daily Mail, right? But it's like the first thing they say is that these are eco nuisances. Like it's implicitly already taking the perspective that like just a oil protesters are bad people who are wasting everyone's time. I wasn't much of a nerd in the way of like numbers or even music, like the thing that I really liked at school, but I was a nerd for English um, and I just (laughs) happened to be really good at it. And I know for a fact that if I, at age about 15, would have submitted that headline, uh, (laughs) I would have been probably put in the lower set, you know what I mean? Because they realize I need a lot more help to understand like... (laughs) what words mean and how they work and yeah yeah, Yeah. just vile shit honestly it's like so people are often like you see you see people discoursing over headlines a lot in on social media um and they'll be talking about like the use of passive voice for example this is one that's been going around a lot in the last in the last month is like the use of passive voice where like there'll be uh, a headline that says uh this many israelis were murdered by hamas and these many in Gaza have died, right? And it's like they're in the same headline, you see them switch voice to the passive voice because like, well, they just died. It just happened or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they just did yeah, that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, their, their water infrastructure just did that. It is worth like, you know, looking at this stuff and reminding people constantly about this stuff. But I think that sometimes it's like missing the, wood, the woods for the trees a little bit because like they, people talk about... um yeah, talk about the like these smaller, subtler examples, and it's like this stuff, like in the Daily Mail, is is the stuff that's like uh, pouring out constantly every day to people. You know, you've you've headlines that are really like this in like the Metro, which is like the free paper that's available on all the buses and all the tubes in London. Um, and here they just casually like eco nuisances face the wrath of the bin man. Right? There's immediately this positioning of like the uh the 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 effect uh climate activists and the uh and the 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 chad masculine reactionary working class bin that i just love the idea it's like a movie title like eco nuisance wrath of the bin man. <laughs> <laughs> like... that's right <laughs> So um, and then like it ends up the, the headline as well with like um, with, with quoting someone who does like the protesters, but saying it's an emotional American woman. So firstly, emotional. Secondly, woman, you know what they're like. And thirdly, sh- not even from around here. So what does she yeah. know? I don't know how much we should go into like what's in the article. It's 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 the Daily Mail. So it's gibberish. Well, this is the thing about the Daily Mail is that even though their article, their headlines are so intensely incorrect uh if you go into the article sometimes it has the actual information 
about <laughs> yeah, what happened. It's very frustrating. It's very it's frustrating. so incredibly absurd. Like I just want to yeah, just point that out because someone in the chat mentioned it and it's like, yeah, they they will pull people in or even distract people with these headlines that does the manufacturing of consent, but then in order to appease the well, it's Ofcom, right? They want to, or is does Ofcom do the papers? I don't know, but yeah, like, whichever, does, like yeah. communications, yeah. yeah, exactly, Ofcom. Then, yeah. um, like the the regulators, basically, like they want to make sure that they're meeting a, a a sort of baseline thing. But I mean, if we did go into it, it does literally say start like fed up motorists took out their anger on environmental protesters as they blocked a major junction in London today with one irate van driver driving through them and another motorist motorist dragging them off the road by hand. Like I I I just kind of want to like use this as a bit of a, a bit of as a bit of metonymy. Like talk about the broad shape of like headlines in. British papers that come out about Just Stop Oil. Because, like, you know, I've seen uh, a Metro headline. I couldn't track it down for this, but, like, I've seen a Metro headline that says that calls someone who attacked protesters a hero while calling the protesters themselves, like, shameful. And it's it's just, like, it's so removed from any kind of um, impartiality, obviously. But, um, but I, I yeah, sorry. To, to return to the point that I was trying to, like, get through this example with is, is um, who they're talking to and who they're perceived as talking to is is re- like serves a really important function in modern liberal capitalist democracy because like when the papers are all talking to this like reactionary working class this there there's this understanding that's repeatedly solidified that like the working class and therefore like the vast majority of the population are all like reactionary goblin people and like th- this article is a good example of that specifically because it is positing this like war between the liberals who care about the environment and taxi drivers and bin men, right? right. Uh, white van man and uh, moves the mob off the road, drives his van through the protesters. A taxi driver says, I've already, I paid 70,000 uh, £70, pounds for an electric taxi. I'm doing my bit. Why are you stopping me? This stuff. And it's just... Um, well, yeah. it's it's exactly the same as the way they frame not just working class uh, sort of like, uh, I guess, like class divides and stuff like that, but also like social class divides and mixing that with working class divides. Like whenever papers are transphobic, for example, they're constantly saying that there's a liberal transgender lobby, uh, which makes no fucking sense because every single transgender person I've met, and I've met a lot, they're all poor as fuck, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Big transgender. It's completely <laughs> devoid of any kind of actual reality, um, which is which is because that's the most annoying and absurd thing. Because the real person who is in the position of power, who is fucking everybody over, is the person writing the article, aka the paper, by extension, uh, you know, the, the the board members. So something that we end up saying on, on limited hangouts a lot is talking about like how conspiracy beliefs are social. So if a lot of people around you believe some conspiracy belief you are likely to believe it too because you're like, well, you know, Tim and Mule, I think they're sensible lads and they believe this. So sure, I guess JFK's head just kind of did that. Like that makes sense. They believe it. So I believe it, right? Um, but but it's, it's what I'm trying to get at is like in terms of epistemology, like most belief is social. And if people believe around you believe something, then you're more likely to believe it. So if you're told that lots of people around you believe something, then you're more likely to believe it whether they do or not. And so this is the nature of like, of this part of manufacturing consent is that like, when you tell everyone, we're reflecting the, the we are journalists and we reflect public opinion. 
And then we're publishing what public, public opinion looks like. And the public opinion is we fucking hate just up oil and we think they're bastards and we think they should be dragged off the road and executed uh, while waving the St. George's flag. Then, then people reading this are like, well, I don't necessarily agree with this, but maybe I can agree with like a more moderate version of this if everyone around me believes this. And like, it's on the papers that are on every carriage of every tube train in the whole of London. So people must believe it, right? Like that someone, someone must believe it. Yeah. And it's, it's so vile as well, because you see that filter down in like everyday human interactions. Like the other week, um, I met um, a friend's new partner and they just so happened to be like a business owner. Um, and so immediately I was like taken off the back foot. I'd had a glass of red wine. I was like, not ready to speak to this person just in general really like this person definitely like doesn't pay his staff well and all that but before i could even talk about it people were already joking about this stuff in rotata and then um we were speaking about activism because he like looks at me and like goes here's a crusty individual like what do you do (laughs) and i was like oh actually i'm an activist and you should have said you're a business owner (laughs) um but you know uh, i don't i don't hire staff and if i do hire people to help mm. i pay them what they want but anyway the 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 long and short of it was is that like we started talking just a little bit about like just stop oil and he immediately was like oh yeah well you know all your mates and just stop oil like pointing at me like all your mates just stop oil <laughs> i love watching them get dragged off Dude, the let's road. just be fair for a second like they are your <laughs> They are my mates. They are my actual mates. He didn't know this. He didn't know what my actual friend He's Sean right, was. <laughs> was it? He did get me to to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't know that. So this is sure, the sure. this is the, the, the reality. That's the thing, right? Like I always get that, you know, like people talking about like, you know, like if someone will bring up someone that's like Maori or whatever like that, and they'll be like, Oh, do you know this guy? And it's like you can't just assume that <laughs> because you know, like because yeah, yeah. we have the same like ethnic background. Yeah. But yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, exactly. I, can. <laughs> I have known them for a no, long I... time. We're just <laughs> you know, I had this with some transfer replying to me, uh, trying trying to be like, how can you poss- How can you defend uh, like Sarah Jane Baker or whatever? You, you know, don't you know she's a violent criminal? And it was just like, well we actually have met at protests and like, you know, but, but like, even, even besides that stuff, it's just like, you know, the, the way that she's being treated in, in prison right now is like unbelievably disgusting. The, the, the conversation went from there was I just started asking him how much he pays his workers and how much money he makes on events. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it kind of derailed from that. But what I, what I wanted to talk about was um, I've been, I've been thinking about like the layers of propaganda and, and you can see this, in various ways because for example you have if you think about the enemies of the state you have first of all political enemies right so you have enemies within the state that politicized like protesters activists etc just up oil uh, uh, and the like then on top of that you have marginalized people right because marginalized people are often supported by the politicized people they're often politicized themselves they're intertwined it's like that then underneath that you have military imperialist enemies right and i've been thinking about this a lot because you can find a lot of leftists who are like super super based and they know all the stuff they know everything about solidarity they know everything about this that and the other but then they'll look at you and they'll be like look at this article i found about uh china and how they're making like a giant guillotine to kill uh babies with it and all this and and you're like what the fuck are you talking about they've made that up 
this is literally like the 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 you know and the picture the... they're showing you is the uh is, is the milking factory video that uh jordan peterson cheated <laughs> <laughs> literally literally um yeah so like and it, and it go this is how deep it goes right because you could mm. you could get people who understand these like different oppressions and marginalizations and they mm. still have like a blind spot with stuff like this um, yeah, sure. and that is like the the i think that the i think that pointing people pointing out to people the layers there is important not just only for your own self-development as like understanding propaganda and understanding the nature of imperialism and the imperial core uh you know they've lied you know newsflash everybody they lied to you about cuba uh you know the people there have like housing and human rights and all this stuff uh but it, it's it's I think uh, also important and prevalent to talk about it with this discussion entirely because this discussion <clears throat> is taking place at a time where there are millions of people worldwide protesting for what's, you know, against what's going on in, in Gaza. And um, in, in terms of like actually, you know, how the press is just like again and again and again repeating this line. And it's only very recently that they've actually like turned around and gone, Oh yeah, well we should talk about the fact that Israel's bombing hospitals and bombing ambulances and bombing refugee camps and all these other things that are like absolutely not necessarily like definitely definitely not military targets and in fact they haven't they haven't actually and they're coming out with all this stuff and they're saying it and they're going oh sorry we admit it um but it's like e even now even still like the hardline places they're not talking about any of this still um and it's because it's such a big intersection you've got the racialization of uh you know muslims in imperial core countries um you've also got it as like a direct enemy of the imperial core i.e palestine um and the anti-colonization of it um and i guess also it's like the big politicized nature of it as well because there's seen there's so much solidarity going on with trade unionists uh you know other activists autonomous groups etc so it's like we're seeing this like very real thing i know that's why you wanted to talk about this like alongside like the jso stuff as well but like yeah it's it's it, you can see it in action as it's happening yeah well i've got i've got a sky news article from uh about yesterday uh here which is seven charged with offenses after saturday's london demonstrations as police confirm 15 officers injured and like this is a, a this is probably a good example of when i was talking about like passive voice and um and like not specifying the details to like let people fill in fill in the blanks a bit right um so like seven charge of offenses uh after saturday's london demonstrations right well okay so who, who and for what um <laughs> because there were also a bunch of fash who injured the police i mean we happen to know right if you've if you have been on any social media at all that like uh that the 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 fash were like spent the entire morning fighting with the police it's probably worth us covering some some details here for a second right so um turning point uk and like four i think other like fash groups organized protests uh, in the morning yesterday uh one thing that like was probably a good like public order move was that like the the police basically made them do their stuff earlier in the day uh, which led to them like burning themselves out, using up a lot of their energy, uh, and like I say, fighting the police a lot. Um, and you know, I I don't I don't mind uh, the the fash fighting the police. This kind of win win. Yeah, it's pretty funny to be um, honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's actually I want to I want to talk a little bit about that. Sorry to butt in so, but like it's just just a tiny bit about that because it is 
always very, very funny. If you're always like, if you're worried about watching these like, you know, violent men attack police and stuff like that, no, it's still funny. Like, you should still watch it. Like, because the police are obviously like so annoyed. They're so pissed off. It's like, don't you understand? We're on your side. And then also the, the, the fascia going, why aren't you on our side? And they're just so thick. Like, they don't understand. And it's great. It's just great fun all around. Um, and also the fash got posh. I don't know if anyone else noticed this. I do want to. I do want to point this out, and I think that this is genuinely like the fault of the Tories that the fash were doing quite well um, during, I guess, like I want to say like 2016 or something like that. But I think that like a lot of poor people who used to support the EDL and uh, you know football lads alliance and stuff like this, they're all they're all completely fucked and they've been radicalized they've they've been turned into leftists uh because i a lot of the dudes i was i was seeing they were wearing like these dead posh you know like detective coats like do you know what i mean like really clean looking like just out of river island and shit like that and i'm like these are all petty bourgeoisie losers like that this is who they is and and they're actually this is your small business owner yeah they were literally small business owners. That's exactly it. They, 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 there was, there was a couple of guys that, um, uh, I think Danny fucking Price on Instagram, he like basically told everyone where they work and stuff. Um, and like, yeah, they were basically just like, uh, 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 management position kind of people if they're in corporations and also business owners. Like one of them was a, was a driveway doer. Like yeah. after, uh, uh, January 6th, right? The people were finding out that like, um, some huge number of them had like flown together in a private jet and shit like this. And like, the oh, naturally yeah. them were all just like yeah. people with, yeah. Like small business owners who were like, well, that's yeah. like um, when there was uh, the, like the, uh, the vaccine mandate protests over here, it was, I've mentioned it before on the stream. There was a guy that I tattooed who um, his boss, he was a trucker and his boss owned the trucks and his boss was like, I'm taking your truck to drive down to Wellington. Yeah, 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 yeah. His, his boss isn't like a truck driver or anything like that. He obviously has a license for it, but he's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm commandeering your truck to drive down to Wellington to be part of this protest. And he's like, this guy's like a, you know, he's like an office guy, whatever like that. He's not a trucker like the rest of us. But um, yeah, but he took it off and he's like, gave him a paid week off and all this kind of stuff like that. So he was Jesus. like, I don't really care, like <laughs> whatever. But um. Yeah, you know, like this thing where it's like, oh, we also saw a lot of um, farm owners um, taking their tractors and things down and joining the convoys where it's like, these aren't the people that normally operate this machinery. They're not farm workers, but they're farm owners. (laughs) You know, it's just like this co-opting, this kind of like um, working class aesthetic, but they're really, you know, they're the bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this guy I was talking about um, at the dinner with my friends, he was a farm owner. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> some of them can be pretty pretty bad, uh, and down here it's particularly bad. I'm sure. Surely not. Let's great. learn about these I'll seven charged with offenses. Um, so we've got <laughs> where was I? Um, uh, the seven people who have been charged will appear in court in the coming weeks. Uh, their charges relate to offenses including assault, possession of weapons, criminal damage, public order, inciting racial hatred, and possession of drugs. The, the wording. No, yeah, I mean it's all it's all it's all very neutral, and you also like have to be aware that like inciting racial hatred has been a has been has been uh, uh, like people have been slapped with this like uh, with like anti-Semitism charges, including Jewish people uh, in in recent weeks because like because they've been defending Palestine. Um, but 
the the thing is it's not this isn't the case here like this is like when we get right to the end of the article um it says after like discussing some specific people so it says like um it says like john harvey 75 from hackney in east london 23 year old ethan stapley from norfolk uh were, were remanded to appear at westminster magistrates court it doesn't tell us like any of the details, like, and you could say, you know, this is good journalistic practice that they don't want to speculate on stuff that's an ongoing, like, court case or whatever. But, like, but they, um, but they, we have to get uh, further down to get to a, sig- a quote, significant number of these arrests were counter protesters arrested in Pimlico, uh, yeah, when they could try to confront people in the pro Palestinian march. Like, it's really yeah. buried deep in here. And, you know, like, to be fair, it, it, it is said, but it's like, we all understand, like, the power of, like, a headline as opposed to, what is said in the article they also yeah. have around 150 pro-palestinian protesters were intercepted by officers after breaking away from the march through london it is understood that not all of these protesters were arrested um yeah cool um <laughs> yeah, yeah the yeah. wording like even in the first paragraph it's like uh uh it says here officers made uh, 145 arrests during the pro-palestinian demonstration and counter protest by far-right groups Right, during the demonstration, and it's like, yes. but like, yeah, exactly, exactly. It, you know, it's just so clearly uh, worded in such a And the assistant you know. commissioner said the force faced a really challenging day. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> like, they had to do that for one day. Um, but this, yeah, I think this speaks to <laughs> some of what I'm talking about with the, with the like, speaking to a, a, like, a reactionary faction of the working class, as if that's the whole working class. But I think what's more interesting is the lead up that, like, I think people have been aware of. I don't know, like, I kind of put it to you, Tim, because I think in Britain, we've been super aware of this. It's been all over the media, but I don't know how much it's, like, breached containment. That, like, uh, the the discourse around the cenotaph, do you know about this? Oh, I have seen a little bit about it. It's like, um, it's like a war memorial, yeah. right? Because I think we've got It's a big killer yeah. that is just in the middle of the road. Uh, that runs between the Houses of Parliament and Trafalgar Square. So, like, practically every yeah. protest goes by this thing every time there is any kind of protest. I saw someone, like, spray-painted on it or something like that. Uh, that's a thing that has happened in the past. But, like, th- this is, like... So, so it, it, the thing that's really unhinged here and what I'm trying to get to is, like, none of this was about stuff that has happened. Uh, yeah. This was all build-up because... They were aware this that these weekly protests were gonna cl- like were gonna crash into Armistice Day, and so this this discourse was started in the media about um about how shameful it is to do a mass protest on Armistice Day and how much it disrespects uh disrespects um yeah Armistice, which is crazy because we're literally yes. calling for a ceasefire. Like yes. let's let's also be clear here, uh, me and Sophie for our sins, we're British in it right (laughs) and i don't know about you Soph, but i've i've been on about 33 armistice days and i know (laughs) that you know mostly most of the time i observe the two minute silence uh because i'm in bed sleeping and you know i'm never awake for that and uh and then but then the thing is is that everyone even if they go to the protest uh, it's not a protest even if they go to like an event that's going on it's normally poppy placing by local councillors that's normally what happens if you like sophie's talking about the cenotaph 
in London, but there are cenotaphs all over the UK for, for various different regiments that came from that place. Um, and the one in Manchester, for example, like every year they have a thing where local councillors and the mayor, they'll put poppies, like a wreath of poppies on the, on the, the cenotaph. Um, and I know for a fucking fact that every single person who goes to those particular things goes to the pub and gets twatted afterwards like absolutely <laughs> yeah, fucking course, battered yeah. like as soon yeah. as they get an opportunity <laughs> as soon as they're done it's gone we are getting fucking 20 pints deep and getting our ass out um so any kind of like idea that armistice day is this like sacred british tradition where like oh you mustn't do anything on armistice day how crude you know these motherfuckers these gammons went down to the fucking cenotaph sniffing cheap plasterboard bing uh, you know, getting absolutely off the tits and like punching police, uh, you know, just to get to the cenotaph where nothing was happening. Nothing was happening there. <laughs> let's get to that. Let's get to that. Cause I want to talk about the, the week that's been leading up to this. Cause the media has been talking constantly about the cenotaph, right? And it's not the first time, right? If people remember when Jeremy Corbyn was leader, every Armistice Day, uh, people are supposed, like the, the, the Prime Minister and the leader of the opposition together come and lay a wreath of poppies on the uh, on the cenotaph and uh the media had an absolute field day when corbyn who's an old man wore a windbreaker because it's kind of cold um <laughs> instead of a instead of a suit and and you know formal jacket i suppose he should have been in like military regalia and a trench coat um but it's you know it's like mule's saying like this is this is a complete fucking piss take uh, for the people for whom it is some kind of holiday and they are like marking out the day, the rest of the day is is uh, quickly forgotten. <laughs> um, and uh, and nonetheless, like it's this it's this massive furore, right? And I think there's there's kind of an interesting ideological function here. So Nat and I often talk about um, talk about the the function of like monks, right? For for Christian believers, is that like there is someone who is more pious than you who's far away in a special building doing the believing, right? And they live a really holy life. And that means that you, you can do kind of whatever as long as you occasionally repent, yeah. show up for church and all this stuff. Because they got most of the yeah, work like covered, The right? real work of faith is happening somewhere else. I think that like <laughs> for a lot of people who uh, live in whatever fucking reality these papers are publishing to, right? The, the, the cenotaph on Armistice Day has a bit of this function and so like the 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 performance of the ceremony of the poppies and the wreath and the two minute silence like all of this is all of this is sacred and it doesn't matter if like you're not perfectly nationalistic the rest of the time because they're covering the nationalism for you and so like you know corbyn not being respectful enough of course he doesn't because he hates the military and he wants every troop to be beheaded um uh and then so in the in the week leading up to this weekend right now, the press has been going constantly about how these protesters better stay away from the cenotaph. Um, yeah, so I've got like an example here. Yeah. yeah, I've got an example here from the Daily Mirror, uh, whose O has been replaced by a poppy. Um, <laughs> um, and it, the front page is a, Never again, is a picture right. of yeah. The front page is a picture of the cenotaph from a previous year, uh, completely covered in in poppy wreaths. And uh, the 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 text next to it says, "They fought and died for our freedom." Dot dot dot. Freedom of speech and thought. Dot dot dot. And protest to Suella Braverman. That's our uh, Home Secretary. 
Uh, how dare you try and take that away? We'll get to that in a second. Uh, to the marchers, remember who won you these freedoms. To Britain, we must all resist cynical efforts to whip up hatred. Um, so, you know, just like, just fascinating shit going on here. <laughs> yeah, it's um, really interesting because when I, when I first saw that headline, I was kind of like, oh, that's okay. It's, it's all right. It's like they're, they're trying to say, actually, it's fine to protest on the same day as the armistice. Nah, nah. <laughs> but they're not. Like, they're not. Like, it's so, it's so very insidious. Uh, and if you're just not like not really paying attention and not reading between the lines, you're just gonna you're just gonna miss that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in the you know in the in the text that's on the front page has uh, Suella Breverman's attempts to pressure police into banning a pro-Palestinian march on Armistice Day were dismantled yesterday. The Home Secretary accused the Met of playing favourites with the protesters, but the Royal British Legion, which runs the Poppy Appeal, said our armed forces play a vital role in protecting the rights and freedoms of everyone in UK society including the right to protest. Um, so I feel like, yeah, like this, this is where I started to think like this would be a really interesting discussion is like the relationship between police and press and protest because like the um, the Met were like required to kind of come out and comment on this because Braverman was saying that they should they should shut down the the march because it's like, and this is a, a side where like the, the modern Tory party are very, very aware of their like propaganda potential. And so they do things like this all the time where they're, they are trying to like make a PR move and get and get the press to respond in kind. And then like they know the people who work in the press so they can just like call them up and be like, hey, run with this. Like this is the this is the tactic now. And this is what we're going with. Um, and so, yeah, they, they were trying to. Um, yeah, they were trying to um, to to like create this charged point around the cenotaph and they've been doing it all week anticipating that this thing might happen even though the planned routes for the protest were not through the cenotaph um and yeah so mule you were saying that the uh that like the fash all stormed it on the day because yeah. like yeah it's because of all this right like yeah like a, a lot of the times what you'll see um in manchester anyway some of the funniest uh, it, this happened around black lives matter i don't know if anyone remembers uh but this happened around the george floyd protests uh and there were constantly like a, a group of maybe like 10 weird fucking idiots in like flat caps and again these like posh jackets and stuff like that and, and a lot of them were walter mitty types as well I'll, I'll explain what that is if anyone doesn't know uh in a sec but like uh they were just hanging around the cenotaph like weak on end weeks on end after the black lives matter protests because even back then i think it was pretty patel uh i might be wrong it might not be i, I can't remember exactly who was home secretary back then was talking about like the fact that they had like you know taken the statue of the slave owner edward colton or whatever his name is fuck his name i spit on his name i shit on his name wipe my ass with his name i don't care uh, but that guy in bristol he was like put in the uh, in the drink and so they were like terrified about that um, and, and all these like losers, these fascist losers were like hanging around, uh, the cenotaph. Now, Walter Mitty types, I will explain to you what that means. Walter Mitty was like a character or like a famous, semi-famous person, uh, back in the day who lied a lot about, um, a lot of the things that happened in his life. And I think some of those things were like being in the military. So if you are like a, a, a military, if you're like a squaddy, if you're home on leave or whatever, um, it's basically like, 
if someone is taking the piss and stealing valor, you call him a Walter Mitty or like, oh, he's he's doing a Mitty kind of thing, yeah. And uh, there were literally people who were doing that because I had a friend at the time. He was he'd been in the army, uh, and he and because he was a bit of a brave bastard, probably because he was in the army, um, he walked up to these fash and was like, "What's your regiment?" And he was like, "Oh, uh, I, well, you know, it's the one." Uh, and it just like stuttering and stuttering and stuttering and he kept saying like what's your number what's your position blah, 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 this that and the other blah, 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 blah. Who's, who's your commanding officer like all this stuff and my man was just like it's none of your business actually I think this is harassment blah, blah. like so these are just wet men big soppy wet men it's funny because you know that like like real kind of veteran dudes just love to just fucking talk about yeah, it for real. like they for love real. to be like yeah actually i was this and i did this and yeah this. Like, they never shut and, up and, and like as well uh, you know if you're like a vet who's been radicalized against the system because you watched your for example right for example i make no apology for the idf in general but there are definitely like liberal young people who have been like completely fucking propagandized into joining the idf they don't kind of don't really want to do it and they don't really know the truth about what the idf does and they're sat next to a guy who just goes yo watch me pop this child right and and that's gonna fuck them up for life right that's gonna fuck someone up for life and then you know they're later on in life they've been radicalized against something like that they're gonna be mad at people stealing that that supposed valor they're gonna be like you have no idea you have no fucking idea what you're talking about you're sat there trying to like use my experience which was fucked and not what you think it is to defend this bizarre fascism that actually i was a part of abroad you know what i mean like this is like a, a huge thing that happens loads of vets uh become radicalized to the left uh all, all over the world yeah it happened in the early 2000s a lot with like the war on terror and stuff you know there's a lot of people came back that had seen and done terrible things like a lot of people came back like to say we've had a couple of them on the show things that had happened well, yeah, yeah 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 and it's like um yeah and a lot of them do become really staunch kind of like you know anti-war activists and i mean it's like you know like there are always people that will be uncomfortable with organizing with people that have been veterans and all this kind of stuff like you know and you kind of have to respect that and i think that like the best activists that are you know from military backgrounds to understand that you know they go like oh yeah i might make you know some people uncomfortable because i was probably abroad you know shooting up their cousins or whatever mm. like that and i think you know like there are people that understand that and they do genuinely kind of like wish to kind of make amends and stuff um but yeah it's uh like i think that that is a group that is maybe like historically under under appealed to but i mean recognizing like soldiers as working class people who've been like fucking conned into the most dangerous situation like is something we could all do a bit better i think yeah like the material conditions that force people into army recruitment in the states particularly pretty rough like and i'm not saying like and i still think it's like it's a really fucked up thing to do you know it's like to you know like go and like you know, like go to war basically that like pay to college or whatever like that. Like I don't want to minimize that. Like I still think that's like a really horrific thing 
to do, but like, um, you do have to like, you know, we have to approach this and like, this is a thing that's happening. Why does it happen? You know, it's not like an excuse for it, but this is like a reason for it. Um, this is a huge tangent, but when we look at like the, um, like the Russian, Re- the October revolution and stuff like that really kicked off when the, um, when the soldiers, when, you know, the army went like, oh, actually, yeah, we are working class. We have more in common with, you know, the Bolsheviks, yeah, absolutely. And, et cetera. Um, than we do with the, um, the guy living in the gold mansion and, you know, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was the big point. Um, yeah. So the, the, um, the stuff with the cenotaph, I think it's really interesting to think about this point of the, like the fash storming it so that they can, they can do what, right. Is the question. Um, and I think in their minds, it's like guard the cenotaph from the evil pro pro Palestinian protesters who are all, who are all queer and all foreign and all students and, all hate the king or whatever and uh, that's true um completely true no lies yeah Yeah, absolutely um and um and um so so here is like an interesting like thing to do with like when we're talking about the press and the police this relationship like um what's happened in this last week doesn't just like involve the press um uh, relationship to the literal police but to policing in general because like fash obviously just like want to be the cops like it's the it's the biggest thing they cry about at any point at any given time is that the cops aren't on their side uplifting them giving them all the powers they possibly can completely agreeing like even though even though the cops already are fash like they're not fash enough for the fash and they're always crying about it um and so like a lot of i think the work here with like appealing to the reactionary faction like faction of the working class is that this capitalist media like wants to give them give them their like marching orders and so i think like i think it's it's so clear like um the specific point of like the fash storming the cenotaph shows so clearly the way that they were directed by the press here uh into a sort of like into a sort of deputized fascist um uh, policing like a, um, a yes. citizen police force yes right? that's right and so like what else did they do that day right they started drinking at 7 a.m uh <laughs> with all their gammon mates uh getting ready for like you know whatever slur bashing they had decided they were going to do in their whatsapp groups and their discords and then like a bunch of them invaded chinatown um really early on in the day like before the um before the palestine march had even started invaded chinatown they were chanting tommy robinson's name they were fighting with cops and like it's just a, uh, it's it's completely overshadowed by the the vastness of the solidarity protest and like how powerful uh solidarity for palestine was yesterday but i think it is still really worth us looking at like how i mean to put it plainly how the enemy is organizing because they are because they are like using the capitalist media as like a route to just be able to like directly tell the fash hey the cenotaph is in danger get out and protect the cenotaph and if there's enough of you doing it you can get out and and organize towards your own goals as well and so they did right so they decided that they were going to like gang up and 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 beat up any any not white person they could find or or yeah like go protect the cenotaph and and whatever and like again in this way this the um the like public order was like fairly well maintained because like they they got it all out of their systems by about noon and then like the uh and then like other than people uh uh like a, a, like other than a few incidents like a lot of it's just been like um 
the Fash realized they were hopelessly outnumbered and already a bunch of the most violent guys who got arrested fighting the police. So not much happened, but like, and that's, that's a kind of interesting, like, I don't know. There's a side, there's a side to this case where like the, um, this, in this case specifically, like there's a tension between the press and the police here. I think, I think that this really highlights what we spoke about, um, a good 20, 10 or 20 episodes ago. Uh, so which is mobilizing versus organizing, Right, because this is a, a great example of mobilization without any organization. Because fascists, whereas their stated goal, it's it's obviously not broadly stated, but you know, get get our country back, whatever that means to any of them. Um, you know, they they don't have any organization and they don't have any sort of like idea of what solidarity means. They're not they're not like you know, their mates who get put in prison for beating up, you know, racialized people or whatever, they're not like rallying around them to like do like bail funds or, or whatever, like stuff like this, like doesn't really happen. Um, a lot of the time, obviously fascists are, are, are well off enough to be able to like sort that stuff out themselves, like, you know, pay for solicitors fees and stuff like that. But they don't, you know, they don't do any of this actual solidarity. They don't understand solidarity. There's like one instance, I think recently of like, um, I don't know if it was the EDL, but it was someone and they were trying to like feed homeless people, but, from from all like accounts it kind of looked like just a bit of a publicity stunt and then not like making it a regular go oh yeah yeah there's a lot of stuff like that right? so then what you have to look at then is is actually we're lucky that they're not organized because it could have been much 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 worse and it could be much worse in the future it just tends to be like so hard for fash to organize on this kind of scale like i think um when we had uh, a long long time ago when we had tear on uh we were talking about january 6th she said the uh the january 6th was the stochastic apotheosis that like in terms of like stochastic terror in terms of like making a call out for for the general mass of fash to like organize amongst themselves to do something like january 6th was like the absolute like most that could possibly hope to achieve which is like a bunch of rowdy small business owners show up with 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 guns and zip ties and whatever uh at the capital and shit is scary but like it does not achieve very much at all yeah yeah there's no long-term plan there's no there's no coherent ideology that they all agree upon like it's the same as like down here with a lot of these kind of like larger reactionary protests like there's like um yeah it's like a whole bunch well the one you were talking about the trucker the trucker convoy like Yeah, yeah 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 they just kind of like fuck around and then they go home and like in between it's like they'll start off like five different groups will come together around this protest. And then like 15 groups will separate because they've all splintered and like, you know, cause they don't agree because some of them are like, you know, opposed to one thing, but they don't really care about the, it's just like, there's no, there's nothing that binds yeah, Which is why institutional capture is so important to fascists because like, they're just never going to have the numbers to have like a, a, a full fascist nation where everyone loves being a fascist. Firstly, it's fucking miserable being a fascist because being a fascist is being a huge loser who hates joy. But like, secondly, it's just, it's just not a, a, a well communicable like ideology. It's something that relies on like excesses to the system. Like it, it, it it's like uh, the, 
the systems of oppression that exist, right? They have excesses. So if someone is like an, a violent misogynist, this is an excess to to patriarchy, right? Patriarchy relies on the idea that like men have, command more authority, and you should do what men like men say. Especially the more of a patriarch this man is, and that women command less and are emotional and so on. Um, and like um, that system of control, like on its own, doesn't appear to need like guys who are like absolutely vile violent misogynists who are pushing for like women to have absolutely no rights and be treated as like chattel property or whatever right and yet these guys still exist they're excesses to the system if you understand like more about excesses to the to systems you see that like they are actually very necessary for these systems of oppression to exist and that sort of is part of the bind of them right so what is the excess to to capitalism well it's fascism so like the thing is like they the system does need this particular excess to exist in order for it to keep on functioning. And like the way that the press plays with it is a, is a, is a good example of looking at that. Like they are an excess um, to all the systems of oppression that hold us in, in, in place. And so when the, when the press are like trying to mobilize and make their ideology manifest into something, right. They speak directly to the reactionary like faction of the working class and say, show up and do something. Um, but then, but then, you know, if they, if the end point of this is that like the liberals, uh, lose control of the, of the, the, the Frankenstein's monster they've made, right. Uh, always, it's always what's going to happen. Um, but I wanted to, I think, I think I have another link. Yeah. We're good for time. That's right. I have another link that we should hit before, uh, we carry on with the discussion, which is another Sky News article. So the, the Sky News article I was on before about the people being arrested, it was very neutral in its language. So it's in some ways it seems harder to uh, unless you're just talking about like the effect that headlines have on people, it seems harder to see how it's trying to manufacture consent and what it's doing. Um, this one, I think it should be easier. Um, and um, yeah, so it's uh, met appeals for help identifying protesters holding hate crime placards during pro-Palestinian March. Um so it's got like leading in, it's got, a, I, uh, I don't want to show any of this or, or discuss any names if there are any in the article, because like this is entirely focusing on pro-Palestinian uh, protesters, right? So um, the first two photos are um, like the, the Met inquiries are basically based on the, um, on the contents of the signs. So uh, there are two women in these, in, in, there's, a, there's a woman in each of these photos. One of them is, um, uh, she's not white and she's holding a, it's relevant that she's that she's not white because of the like the nature of the crime that she's being investigated for is basically that like Rishi Sunak and Suella Braverman's faces are on coconuts falling off of, uh, off of a tree in the in the the placard and um and so like this is you know it is uh being alleged as some sort of like racially motivated uh or yeah, as this as some sort of racial hate crime uh by a by a south asian woman against two south asian people like normal um the other photo has a woman who is holding a sign that says no british politician should be a friend of israel and has a uh swastika inside a star of david uh on the sign now this one i'm not super fond of i'm not gonna lie yeah um, it's not great it, you, not, you not doing great rethink the sign yeah that's all you can yeah. you can see what they're trying to yeah, say, yeah, exactly, but exactly. you got to yeah, make yeah. sure it's clearly the one that's on the Israel flag. You can't just yeah. have a Star of David like that. Yeah, no, exactly. I've got Jewish friends that have mentioned about this, and they're just like, "Yeah, like 
you know, like obviously we we love the energy, but like this is not it because like this is the Star of David is still very important and central to our Absolutely. Faith, and there's know? also an element to which like, you know, um it's really worth pointing out that Israel are doing a genocide. It's really worth pointing out that they are literally fascists, but like when you are trying to criticize Israel and and instinctively reach for like Nazi comparisons, it's like, well, <laughs> Like what? Why does it specifically have to be the Nazis who you're comparing them to? Like the well, I suppose there are kind of cultural, like the worst evil ever thing that we we reach to. But at the same time, like we can see that there is when you go to the effort of putting a swastika inside a Star of David, there's something else going on there, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. There's also this thing that um I saw someone mention it on Twitter the other day, and it's something that I've spoken about. I think we've spoken about it on here before, but the idea that um the Nazis and the Holocaust with this kind of like this cultural idea of just like, this is the worst thing. This is like this evil thing that is like, you know, this is like fucking Sauron, you know, and like nothing else comes close. No one will ever get there again. Where it's like what we're seeing now, the reality of it is this is a series of like, you know, like of, of small changes, small policy decisions, you know, all these kind of things that build up over years and it's just like this could happen this could happen anywhere this is happening this is happening in israel right now it's happening in the states it's happening in the uk all these kind of things like that and it's like this the nazi thing kind of like it um it's it it starts to push that away from us you know like it to be like this thing is so evil that it's like you know it's it's uniquely evil or whatever like that where it's like I think that I, I think that helps people, especially like liberals, kind of think of it in that way, where they're just like, you know, like um, like this is this is really really evil, and we need to, you know, like we need to show how evil it is by showing how it is close to this like you know this historically really terrible thing. And I mean, obviously, like I know people, a lot of Jewish people as well, that have pointed out like you know parallels and all this kind of stuff. But like the reality is, it's like even the Nazis weren't uniquely evil at the time. They were running from other people's playbooks. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the banality of evil. This is it, right? Like it's, it, it, there's a couple of meanings to this. One is like the way that it's every day and carried out by people who are, you know, just doing their job, just following orders. But there's also like the way that it follows in a legacy. And so there's just like people who are, and that's what I mean about excesses, right? It's like, the Nazis who are taking inspiration from the British Empire, from the Americans. Uh, and, and then they, they, they repeat these things, but amped up. And it's like, this is the most evil thing we can possibly imagine. And, and we always have this idea that it's this exception to history, but it's not. It's, it, it's an excess of history and all the forces that shape history. My general policy going back like forever. And I, you know, this older kind of like punk dude at a protest a million years ago said this to me as well. He was like, don't, it doesn't matter if you're at an anti-Nazi protest, don't put a swastika on anything because then it's just you're just a yeah, person with yeah, a exactly swastika. there is one graphic design context where i where i am happy to see the swastika and it's that anti-fash sticker where someone is smashing it to bits like they're just it's just a fist yeah. coming in and smashing a swastika to bits and it says like bash the fash you know you have to be really careful even with stuff like that as well because like you have to make sure that it's smashed enough that like from across the street someone just doesn't see that and go like this yeah, exactly. you know it's yeah, like yeah yeah. yeah yeah and even like like I know a lot of people that have made t-shirts like that before and they're like, Oh, we, we did it in red and white, but with the red, it looked, yeah, you know, totally. it was like, yeah. Too, <laughs> yeah, yeah. swastika like, so we took the red out. So it's just the one, you know, just stuff like that. It's like, you have to think really careful because otherwise it's like, you know, like 
Yeah, especially if you're going yeah. to an anti-Zion Australia or yeah. anything like that, because yeah. it's, exactly. it's very because easy it's, for Because people. it's the, the Zionist, yeah. like, it's part of the very literal Zionist playbook when they've, they've literally published, like, ways to talk about Israel is that, like, you know, anti-Semitism is the main defense of, of, of like, all criticism. So, like, when you, you know, if you make that fucking easy for them, then... I mean, then you're making that easy for them. This fucking government, this fucking Ministry of Truth-ass government is saying that a house that got covered in paint in West Hempstead, like, two months ago, is related to what's happening now. Well, clearly it inspired Hamas. Um... They will do anything. So if you have something like that, you know, you just fucking... I don't like using the term asking for it, but you're giving them a lot of, you're giving them a lot of fucking... No, you're doing their work for them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So, okay, so there's several things in this article that I want to talk over, but there's the, um, I'm saving the best till last. So uh, they have various pictures that have been circulated by the Met Police of people who they're trying to identify. Again, I'm not linking the article. I don't want to help them identify anyone. Uh, I don't really care what they did. They're pro-Palestinian protesters. Um, uh, You know, ACAB. Um... So, you know, it has one woman, uh, one image showed a woman carrying a sign featuring the Jewish Star of David wrapped around a Nazi swastika with the slogan, no British politician should be a friend of Israel. Another showed individuals wearing what were described as Hamas style headbands. Um, I I assume they're quoting the police when they say described as, I don't, I don't know. It hasn't, it hasn't sourced, cited it anywhere. Well, the, the, the best thing about this one is that in the image, they're wearing headbands that are green and they have like uh, text on that looks like it might be from the Hamas flag. I don't know. Now, I don't speak Arabic, but I was talking about this earlier with my partner. Kira Chats, our sweet Kira Chats on Blue Sky actually did a really good example of this. If you take like the very common image of an Intifada fighter with uh, the red head- headband on, uh, that has white Arabic writing on it. Lots of white supremacist news corporations use that as a very scary, oh, look, a scary brown person. Must be exactly the same as Al-Qaeda. Yeah, must literally, be the same as ISIS. Literally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just says, like, fighting for the liberation of Palestine. Exactly. That's what it says. That's what it says. So I don't know. I don't know what it says on the Hamas flag. Right, but a, a Gaza, uh, sorry, a, yeah, a Hamas-style headband probably will just say, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, um... So it goes on to say, as protesters gathered at the start of the route to uh, Hyde Park, chants chants of from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, could also be heard. The the slogan is viewed by many Jews as anti-Semitic and is taken to mean a call for the eradication of Israel. Uh, It is a call for the eradication of Israel because Israel is a violent fascist settler colonial. Israel is an abstract concept. It is not a call for the eradication of any Jews anywhere. Sky News saw graffiti on the route of the protest comparing what is happening in Gaza with the Holocaust, although it is not known if this was made by anyone on the march. Um, just just, just uh, annoying narc behavior here. Um, uh, what else we got? Uh, go- government, cab- government, sorry, government cabinet minister Michael Gove. Hard to say. I, prefer, I much prefer saying Michael Gove, Secretary of State for leveling up. Uh, which is his title, uh, was also seen in footage being mobbed by pro-Palestinian demonstrators at Victoria Station. Uh, so if people want to track down that video separately, it's very entertaining because Michael Gove has an awful haunted baby face and he's <laughs> to keep his cool while several dozen <laughs> protesters shout shame and, and, and force him to run away like a scared child. If you want to know what Michael Gove looks like and you're not from the UK and you don't want to be bothered typing his, his, his full name into Google, just type POB, like P-O-B, 
uh, and you will see what Michael Gove looks like. But yeah, there's also like a, a related thing to this that I saw earlier, which was like some loser Ukraine flag in bio uh, uh, like account on Twitter who said something along the lines of, that's a really anti-Semitic placard you're carrying. And the, the, the placard was like Joe Biden done up as a demon and, oh, and, yeah. and and he had like he had like various like guys on a string. I think one of them famously was Jewish Joe Biden. Right, exactly. Literally famously yeah, Jewish yeah, yeah, Joe I Biden. Yeah, and he had like maybe Netanyahu on a on a on a string, and then also like I think Keir Starmer and right, okay. uh, Rishi Sunak and Suella Braverman. So it's like, what are you saying? Are you saying that this white Protestant man has? Uh, a fucking, you know, I mean, he's controlling the Jewish uh, and the racialized other leaders of the world. Is that what you're, that's what you're saying is anti-Semitic? Okay, interesting. Um, and then the Met Police in the I fucking... Gotta, I gotta pull you up there, Jack. Listen, listen now. Hey, whoa, whoa. Joe Biden is not Protestant. Oh, is he not? Oh, he's Catholic. Very proud of his Irish yeah, heritage. Yeah. This <laughs> is true. This is true. Sorry, that's my bad Catholic. And in the thread, in the thread, right... The Met Police had literally tweeted, this woman is now under investigation. Mm. So this is how they're also using the sort of like, this is, this is the, 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 the trickle down of, of policing, right? From the press. It's literally like trickle down economics, but make it turning everybody into a, a fucking cop, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all this deputized policing, right? Um, yeah, so I think uh, I don't need to read more from the article. Uh, there, there, like I say, several examples of little things that we can kind of pick at. But like the thing that I think is really interesting is the subject of the article is that the Met Police have released photos and are looking for people who've done bad things, who are very naughty, who we need your help finding. Uh, and they've included several pictures of pro-Palestinian protesters. And the Met Police have also released various images of Fash who have done really heinous shit including you know uh assaulting the cops including uh being like uh, uh carrying like um carrying weaponry in the streets all of this shit there was a guy who was photographed like lifting up his shirt to show a swastika tattoo not here you know comparing israel to the nazis but just because he's got a swastika tattoo because he's a nazi no i got this just for yeah, today. Yeah. <laughs> it says the bot the um yeah, like you know, they they've released a bunch of these photos as well, and they are not in the article. And so this is you know this is um, a part of what I'm talking about with this kind of cycle of appealing to the reactionary faction of the working class and creating a, a constant and relentless like reflection of this narrative. Um, and this, you know, I, I I keep on coming back to this idea because this is something that um, that actually like my brother when I was like having a political conversation with him like some years ago now, um, he said to me that like he thinks that the media reflects what people think. And that we have to appreciate that like a lot of the time it's just like amplifying what the public actually thinks, uh, rather than like trying to trying to control or or like suggest opinions to the public. And there's not really like an explanation of like reporting like this in in that um in that analysis of the media, you know, like showing only the pro, like the, the photos that have been released of pro-Palestinian protesters and none of the, none of the right-wing ones, even though the article does talk about right-wing violence, it doesn't show any of the protesters or any of the counter, counter protesters who have been like pictures have been released for identification. Right. 
this is nothing to do with like the reflecting public opinion you know this is this is fully like the police uh are um asking people to help identify you know and this is you know this is an interesting thing as well because like the people who are the sky news audience are probably better placed to help identify the fash absolutely uh, if you put the (laughs) if you put the pictures out to them because they probably know him. <laughs> yep, they'll be like, "Oh shit, that guy did my driveway last week." What the hell? Yeah, exactly. But they're going to see a, bl- a blurry photo of a brown guy in a kefir, and they're going to be like, "Well, that's every Muslim I've ever seen. I think I should dob <laughs> them all in." You know, <laughs> this is it, and it's like you you can, um, you know, as as much as as much as you like, uh, 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 I don't know. I guess like it really really fucking sucks because there is just so much of this. And it's like, how do you directly combat it, right? How do you directly, like, actually, like, do something about this? How do we, like, stop the press from having so much power? Um, Something that I have taken a lot of hope from, really, in reality, because it sounds quite scary in general, right? In general, like, 2,000 fascists descending on London uh, sounds quite scary. Just in general, it's like, that's quite a lot of people. Uh, You know, they're coming down to London. They're going to wreak havoc. It's going to be awful. And they did that. They did do that. Um, But again, on the flip side, despite this like overwhelming messaging, despite this overwhelming uh, uh, attempt at mobilization, not just from their leaders, but also from the press, uh, also from literal people in government like Swella Braverman, um, they still only managed to get 2,000 people down. And this is quite possibly like one of the biggest sort of mobilizing things that the fascists have used in a long time in this country. You know what I mean? It's like, this is this is a one-time thing where where everything that they hate, yeah, is, is like, you know, being sort of uh, uh, blasted at them in the media. Like people having uh, empathy and care for brown people in a different country yeah, yeah. that we're currently involved in helping. Bond. On Armistice Day. On Armistice Day, like, uh-huh. like a unique uh-huh. opportunity. Now, the great hope to take from that is that they only got 2,000 badly no, completely agree. idiots, yeah. right? You Absolutely, know I mean? yeah. I think it's conspiratorial to think about, to ask about the intention of articles like this, but it's very worthwhile materialist and like Chomskyist analysis, right, to to talk about what the function is of articles like this, right? Because yeah, it, it has been put together with intention. Yeah, there have been really, really conscious decisions here. Uh, and yes, there is like very provable like fucking collusion between like all these journos who know each other, who know the Met Police Commissioner, who know the Tory ministers and all this shit. But it's not really worth our while to chase it down in that regard, right? It's it's better to look at it, I think, ideologically. And so and so like um uh when you're saying that about the um about the 2000 fast showing up right um uh the article also captions one of the videos of the of the solidarity demo saying thousands of pro palestinian protesters descend on london now there were a million right yes there were literally a, mil- a million protest in 20 fucking years and like it's possible it will get bigger in coming weeks and like you say, you know, the, then the fash only got 2,000 in. So it's like, what is the point, again, when they are speaking to this reactionary faction um, and they are directly, like, working to mobilize them? What's the point of, of of playing with the numbers in that way? Well, it's because fascists are cowards and they're easily demoralized. When they know that they are going to lose a fight, they fuck off. 
And this is again provable because literally on the day, literally yesterday, like they they fought the police, who were a much smaller number than the than the protesters. And then when the protesters were there, they fucked off because they were massively, massively outnumbered and they would have gotten completely comforted and dumpstered. So like in telling their um their readers or whatever, you know, their audience, that there were thousands of Palestinian protesters and there were thousands of far-right protesters, right? They're making up this idea that there's a sort of like evenly matched thing that could be tipped either way. You know, it's worth you showing up to defend the cenotaph and the king and get country back and all that. Because if you do that, right, you might be the one who tips the balance. And that is the function. And I'm saying, you know, it's not the intention in the sense that it's not like necessarily one person thinking I'm going to manipulate it this way and cause this result, but it's definitely the function. It's definitely literally what is going to uh, result out of it. And we can see that that's the case because they literally did that this week. They, they, they fear mongered that the the cenotaph was going to get nebulously harmed in some way. Someone was going to, I don't know, rope the cenotaph or something. And so all the fash on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Drawing, Drawing a pro-Palestinian <laughs> cock and balls on the cenotaph. <laughs> so they, and so, you know, these facts showed up to try and defend it and also attack uh, uh, marginalized people. Yeah, I do also want to echo your partner in the chat as well. Nat is saying that, like, they're also trying to scare people away from attending, uh, scare people from speaking up. And this is this goes hand in hand with the other stuff that's been going on in terms of, um, there have been talks now about trying to expand police powers again. Uh, these things have been spoken about in Parliament, and also, um, you know, the 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 public the the publishing of these instances where uh, people have actually lost their jobs for holding a sign at a rally or something like that, and people have lost their jobs for speaking out against Palestine. Just at, sorry, for Palestine, just at work. Um, and and these kinds of things all conglomerate into that that one intended function of like don't come to the protest it's really dangerous and you can get like arrested and that's really bad you know um and don't get me wrong it does happen but in melbourne one of the guys leading the chance palestinian uh, business owner harsh who runs um he runs a burger place in caulfield called burgatory um, and he's he's been the one leaning the from the river to the sea chance and stuff like that. He's had his business, business firebombed, you know, like he's was literally like targeted because he is a Palestinian person that is like very vocal and he's like a local icon, you know, he's like a loud guy. Everyone knows him around Caulfield and stuff. And um, yeah, and like that's the thing, right? It's like, you know, and it's like it is ridiculous because it was like it was like the day after a rally or something like that. And you know the the all the newspaper stories and all this kind of stuff like that. At first, none of them mentioned anything about you know him being Palestinian and being at the rallies and all these kind of things like that. It was just like, oh, there was a fire overnight, and it's like, yeah. I mean, I know it's like you got to be cautious before you say anything or anything like that. But they were like, at this point, the fire department had said like, this is arson, you know, like all this kind of stuff. Like this is a they're just quite thing. clearly saying like any of you could suffer as a result of of attending you know like there are these like very tangible things that you know like could happen to you sort of thing like that but um yeah i don't know it's like yeah i think there's um there's like this 
like I I know there is like this kind of like McCarthyist kind of thing going on and stuff like that where it's like that like hunting down and like you know like exposing people for you know whatever. There's a couple groups like that over here at the moment. Actually, yeah, there's one in particular that I've just found out um, recently. There's one super active kind of um, any critic of Israel or whatever like that. They're trying to blow them up on Twitter and all this kind of stuff like that. And um, it's like one of the one of the main people one of the behind it i'm not going to go into names or whatever like that is like constantly quoted in articles and newspapers on tv interviewed all this kind of stuff like that um and has like a history of doing some pretty shady stuff and is like married to the guy that runs like some of new zealand's biggest news orgs and stuff like that and it's kind of like well okay this is why we get this you know, this one side of things pushing, you know, these like stories or whatever like that. And it's like why they're running kind of defamation pieces and all this kind of stuff like that. So it's like no wonder that there's just like these average people that, you know, like a probably swing more right than they realize or whatever like that. And they have these ideas or all this kind of stuff like that. It's like, it's literally like, you know, entangled into our media landscape over here. But, um, yeah, sorry, that was a little bit. No, of a no, tangent, I think it was really. Yeah. I think it's really worthwhile. I think it's really important to point at like also like the disproportionate violence that's also like, um, uh, like a tiny minority of political action, but a disproportionate violence that like the far right will deploy and like these counter revolutionaries will deploy, right? Because we what we're seeing right now is like is revolutionary. It is like a, a ton of fucking people getting out to show international solidarity to show that they care about. To ca- that they care about Palestinian lives, to call for an end to the occupation, and like that's revolutionary. And that, like, yeah, there's a real fucking uh, rearrangement of social conditions if 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 the Israeli occupation could be ended. And like to maintain this sort of illusion of democracy, this idea that like we live under a system that listens to us, we need to um, the the ruling class has to like in some sense respond to what the people want, right? And if they can if they can present the idea that the people don't want this thing that they're protesting a fucking million people march uh, for, that there that there are enough people who think the other thing, then they can get away with like claiming that the democracy is just it's just full of like it's just full of reactionary idiots, right? Like if if they yeah. can if they can <laughs> yeah. tell us that like. The democracy's working fine. It's just that your neighbors are, are cunts, right? Like then, then yeah. we'll all believe that like we live under a democracy. Whereas if, and this is again, is the function of saying there are thousands of pro- Palestinian protesters and thousands of fash is like trying to create this idea that things are evenly balanced. Um, but like the 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 you know a, a huge tipping point comes when like people see that like the the voice of the people is speaking out again and again and again and just not being heard like that's the point at which like shit goes really really sideways for the ruling class and i think like this has them really scared or they wouldn't be acting so desperate the democracy point is a really good one because again that's what i was talking about before that's that goes into the imperialist line like you know if if uh you know the 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 media is so intent on talking about how all these other scary brown countries aren't actually democracies you know like very famously like talking about like the quote-unquote dictator fidel castro whereas when you look at like cuba's actual uh democratic election system it's so it's absurdly more democratic than ours or or anything anything is completely different um you know and and that goes for 
you know, any other scary country. So yeah, like what you're saying is absolutely right. It's like, don't worry about it. We live in, in truth and freedom and, and, and democracy and, and we're the good countries and all these other scary brown countries, you know, that you should be afraid of them. And also, you know, these guys, the your neighbors, they love those scary brown countries. Like, look at them. They're all waving yeah. this scary flag that you've never seen before. Right, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I, I just think that like, this is, um, this is where we're, yeah, we're we're gonna clash into something really interesting very soon because like these these mass protests are ongoing and they're not gonna stop and um there's some point at which like the complete lack of response by supposedly like democratic uh elected representatives, like I just think we should always bring this back to a revolutionary like yes. perspective. And I think yeah. that like, yeah, like this is this is an interesting moment for a couple of reasons because like they're really in danger of like losing losing their illusion of like representation like representing people's opinions and yes democratic absolutely absolutely and like if if people start seeing that like they're not being listened to uh then they'll want to express what they believe in more right so so it will drive like a general uptick in in protest in general when you know tim brought up the um uh the russian revolution earlier and the point at which the soldiers joined in there was a lot of like you know, c- conscious uh, organizing and, and spreading of class consciousness within the army at that point. And it is something that like nation states have like worked really consciously and hard against ever since because they're fucking terrified of it happening again. But at the same time, there were also just like mass strikes going on and mass protests all the time. And the soldiers simply were aware of that and simply just like saw that stuff and it kicked off the spread of class consciousness in the army because they just saw it, right? There's a point at which like, protest feeds more protest feeds more protest feeds more protest and people people seeing themselves not get listened to and the, these demands not getting met it doesn't demoralize them and it doesn't like uh tell them that they they should stop it it just exposes the repeated contradiction of like capitalist democracy that like yes. fundamentally like the capitalists are the ones who are in charge of society not the people and so yeah. capitalist democracy is an is a contradiction in terms Every single protest I've been to so far, and granted I'm biased because I hang around with the coolest motherfuckers in this city, um, but every single protest I've been to, there's been a broader conversation about, um, you know, the neoliberal capitalist world that we live in and just how fascism serves it and how working class, uh, uh, you know, people need to come together and unite in order to be able to make a change. Like, this is like a huge thing. It's not just something that's happening in conversations in passing when people are like marching and stuff. Um, it's, it's like, you know, uh, happening with the speakers. The speakers at these protests are saying these things and people are cheering them. People are understanding them. You know, it's not just some sort of like feigned whatever. People are getting radicalized. You know, they're, 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 they're now fraternizing with people who are actively engaging in sabotage of uh, weapons factories or blockades of weapon weapons factories um, or even more simple um, actions. And, you know, this this is just... It's like you say, it's going to snowball to uh, a point. I don't necessarily just want to talk about like 
more numbers. I don't want to just talk about like line go up, like radicalization in terms of like more people join the protest and there's a bigger protest. I want to talk about it in the terms of in terms of dual power, because like when people are protesting this much and they see that their voice is completely unheard and ignored by the politicians, right? There there just comes a point where like people start asking, well, can we just meet our needs directly? Like can, you know, in the same way that we are sabotaging this thing and stopping this gala from happening or stopping this this boat from leaving this port or whatever or blowing up this pipeline can we also like make it so that we have food for ourselves can we also make it so that like anyone who needs a house is in a house and stuff like this like this is a point at which like um when people see that they don't live in a democracy in really real terms they when they see that the press is trying to tell them what their opinions are and tell them what their neighbor's opinions are and they know that their neighbor's opinions aren't those things they see the press as completely fucking shallow and like captured and controlled by capitalist interests. When they see the politicians ignoring them, they see that like, if someone else is going to, if someone is going to make society the shape that people demand, it's going to have to be the people. Right. And this is a point at which like a a lot of these systems like can fall apart. I'm not saying this as like a, a, um, um, diehard prediction. I'm saying there is a completely intractable situation where like, this genocide is ongoing, the occupation is ongoing, and the Western governments are completely, completely endorsing it. And so like it is it is breaking like it's just it's just breaking the like uh the trust in the police, the trust in the press, the trust in democracy, because people are saying we have to fucking stop this. And the fact the 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 clear fact of the matter that they um that they don't want to that they want to aid it and that they, that they support it is bearing out right and so this is like when people use the Marxist language of like contradictions sharpening the contradictions are right fucking here like they're in front of everyone's eyes and they're so apparent anyone who has been to a protest that is like so in in Manchester for example a couple of weeks ago we had twenty thousand people and then um last week we also had I think around fourteen thousand fifteen thousand someone saying people people are saying that it was also twenty thousand um but I don't know I'm bad with numbers but the long and short of it if you've been to a protest with this has these like vast amounts of people something that you can observe and it's easy to observe because you're doing this slow march it normally takes over two hours. Um, in order to get from A to B, and unless you're going to duck out early or whatever. And what you can observe, and I've observed it happening multiple times now, is that it tends to act like a kind of singular amorphous blob, right? But amorphous is not the right word because it's cohesive. Like the messaging is cohesive. You will see random people start to pick up chants, right? The same chants that they've been hearing. Random people will just start, even if they don't have a megaphone. If it's a bit quiet, people will just start calling out. And, um, you know, people will start talking to people and like, you know, like getting really emotional and saying, it's fucked that this is happening. It's fucked. You know, I've seen loads of that. It's acephalous. It's not led by anyone in particular. Exactly. You can see the various blocks. You can see like the queer block. You can see the union block. You can see like the Stop the War Coalition block, all these various blocks but they're part of a bigger whole and it it is actually been and i haven't been using it as a a ground to recruit for the tenants union because that would be a little unethical um but i've made connections there and i've gotten speaking to people who found out that i organized with the tenants union and they've gone i've been meaning to join that right i've been meaning to join that and this has become a catalyst for them to join 
and that they are joining into a system of mutual aid and an, and an organizational structure that like provide them with other stuff exactly and this is what i mean is like i don't just want to talk about radicalization in terms of the number increases i want to talk about like this as a moment that like there is a there okay Let's try it like this. There are there there are a plausible, very small number of steps between like where we are right now and like dual power. Uh whether they're likely, uh like I don't think they're likely at all. But like <laughs> but but there are there, but there are a plausible <laughs> set of steps, right? Which is like people are people are protesting like this, they see a complete like they, they have this complete like shattering of faith in like the police, the press, the politicians, right? And then they and then they turn to structures yeah like like the tenants union like like all these structures and form these structures and even form their own like form their own democracy right and that's the and that is the point at which there's a dual power the point at which like the the structures that are handling things uh people's immediate needs like a tenants union or like a a food co-op or whatever um are joining into some kind of democratic process that's organized by the people and is like authentically democratic that's the point at which there is a dual power of some kind right um and again again like you know not to not to leave it unsaid to just restate like the point at which it's probably like very very meaningful is a point at which like um the the military is no longer a threat to the people because like there is just the eternal threat of fucking martial law because of the the beautiful nature of the state but like but like um yeah these protests could drive that uh uh i don't know it's a low chance it's a low it's a low chance I think at the very least, what we're finding is people are becoming politicized in a way that is outside of electoral politics. That's what we're seeing exactly. at least. Exactly. And that is good on its own. Be yeah, because people are seeing, like, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly at these marches, people are going, Keir Starmer, shame on you. Rishi yeah. Sunak, shame on you. You know what yeah, I mean? exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then you've got, like, this insufferable discourse that's, like, currently going around Twitter, which is, like... You can't say that Biden's doing a wrong thing because I oh, I saw I saw a trans it. person once and she would be sad uh, if if you, <laughs> if it wasn't for Biden because if it wasn't for Biden we definitely have Trump. There's the there's only two choices: it's Biden or Trump. Uh, and it's just like shut up. It's the worst. It's the most insufferable shit. This is the closer corollary to the the thing that uh, you were saying earlier, Tim, about like don't assume, but also that guy is my cousin. Is like. <laughs> having to block someone who like is uh dating someone who's dating someone who's dating someone i'm dating because like they're fucking doing like spineless liberal genocide denial like fucking awful it's somewhere yeah. between that right it's 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 them getting this consciousness and, and and stepping outside of electoral politics it's somewhere between that and my 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 ideal scenario uh, but the point is like it's a revolutionary direction is what's happening like absolutely yes this should not be written off by anyone as like a far away thing or a you know any kind of trivial thing this is a this is part of a revolutionary project like yes. this is um the the momentum that this is driving is unbelievable well i think the cuz here's the thing is that we we're, we're kind of lucky that this is happening now and we're not in the times of the iraq war um because we have like a much broader um, um amount of people to reach on social media right most people who've discovered our show you know have discovered through you know uh, a soul-crushing internet addiction right uh sorry everyone listening sorry our beloved patrons but you know it's true this is 
literally why we call the top tier sickos. You literally. are sickos, and you <laughs> yeah, yeah. you need help. Um, but <laughs> and only giving money to our show can help you. Uh, but literally, like the it, to sort of like talk about it in a more materialist manner. Uh, more and more people have access to smartphones now, right? More and more people have access to 4G networks, uh, you know, the, the 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 internet and stuff, and so people are able to get radicalized by consuming this content that is going to be ultimately related because the the the, the liberation of Palestine is an ultimately left wing cause. It's based in materialism. It's based in anti imperialism. These are the most you know very very uh, uh, direct and important facets of anti capitalism, right? So when you combine that and you get this other stuff the, the algorithm is going to start working in our favor maybe not entirely but it's going to certainly be driving people to like you know when people are trying to understand uh, uh anti-colonialism all of a sudden they'll be awoken to oh hang on a minute there's this genocide that's going on in uh, uh, uh sudan there's the, there's this genocide that's going on in uh the congo right and then it's time to drop the fucking the the nuclear red pill of the eternal genocide of the working class by the ruling Literally. class and then, and then they're <laughs> exactly. like oh, oh shit exactly um, yeah. so we have reached uh the last 10 minutes of the show already without marking out any time for a q a and i don't think we should uh, bother no. with that Chat. There's no you're, questions. You're all sickos. We're correct about everything. Um, <laughs> you all the all these takes have been exactly correct, so you don't get to ask anything. Um, <laughs> but I do actually have an idea for homework, which is like, which is to, uh, in the manner we've been talking about today, try and think about the the function of news when you see it, especially news that's about protests, mm. right? have a read through look at all the little bits right we've been looking about we've been looking at not just the stuff in, in the article but the headline we've been looking at the the captions on it we've been talking about what their what their sources are and their like what information is left out right uh if you want to refresh on the propaganda model uh the the five filters are access ownership flack advertising and uh fear or you know anti-communist islamophobic or all you know all, all these drives of fear have a look at some some news media about protests and have a think about what the function is what is achieved by what they're doing um yeah so um with that said i think the only other thing is to say that the show is supported by our patrons at patreon.com yeah, yeah. underscore planet keep asking everything like a question just keep yeah. that just keep that intonation going up at the end, the cadence. I think the URL is <laughs> is patreon.com slash red underscore planet. <laughs> Whoa, okay, cool. Yeah, you can start with uh you can start your support for Red Planet with um our lowest tier is Sprite Mode, which is three dollars fifty per month in New Zealand dollars. Um, two dollars American and probably about two pounds. He's right. right? Bang He's on. right. Yeah, he should exactly. say it. Yeah, yeah, cool. So get started with your support for Red Planet by becoming a Sprite. Benefits include the sacred and forbidden knowledge that you are helping the Red Planet team, early access to VODs, access to Red Planet Discord, and uh, supporting us. Uh, but what's the next tier, uh, Sophie? What is what's, what's I, up from this? I can tell you all about that. If you imagine a Sprite getting larger and more powerful like evolving like a pokemon basically right obviously the thing that's going to happen is that sprite is going to turn into a goblin and that's why our second tier is called goblin mode it's eight pound fifty or it's uh ten dollars us and it's 12 us new zealand dollars 
Oh, you're muted. Seventeen. Seventeen. That's so much. All right. Anyway, um, more importantly, everyone loves a goblin. We all get a little goblin mode from time to time. Complete your gobology by going goblin mode with everything from sprite mode and a cool pack of Red Planet stickers for you to stick in legal places and only places exactly like that. Uh, but also access to exclusive Red Planet Discord hangouts. So as well as getting into the Discord, you'll also be able to come hang out with us while we uh, watch some stuff and just chill. It's it's kind of like the stream. It's more chill than the stream, really. Like, yeah. we're obviously here on the on the stream, on the pod, whatever. We are, like, filling all the all the dead air. It's very, it's very you know... Uh, high pressure for us to do this in the in the in the hangouts we'll watch something and occasionally we'll pause it and uh, uh talk for about just... two hours and then put, and then play the movie again <laughs> <laughs> and uh so if you are a goblin or higher um you can come and get higher uh and and watch uh zeitgeist on saturday november 18th at 9 p.m uk time 4 p.m est in the discord uh, with us, yeah, we're going to be watching Zeitgeist because we figured it'd be a laugh. Because yep. uh, Mule and I watched it last time we hung out, and it was a laugh. It was but a laugh. Mule, <laughs> what what um, Goblin is just one of the tiers that would have access to that Discord hangout. What's the next one? Well, you know, when a Goblin uh, evolves, we all know that a Goblin becomes a beast, whether that beast is some kind of Uruk-hai uh, or, or um, what's that one thing from Dungeons & Dragons that's like a bug bu- bugbear bugbear bug one of them yeah. you know yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. amazing that you got what that was so one way um, or another the point is the goblin will become sexier so it will become it's true it will yeah, become yeah, yeah. more fuckable um and that's why we call this next tier the beast mode uh holy shit are you actually gonna go beast mode well then we can offer you all the stuff from the lower tiers and pin badges yeah pin badges wear your excellent new pin badge red planet pin badge literally everywhere it's completely cool and good to do uh but there's one final tier we alluded to this we alluded to this we don't like to talk about these people in the middle of the show you know what i mean it can be no, a little it's bit bad for them like you give them too much attention and they get you know, it's, it's daunting. Yeah. It's daunting for a lot of people to acknowledge that these kinds of people exist. But Tim, let's let's give them what they want. Let's give them what they want. <laughs> we'll give those sickos what they want. Um, we have sicko mode, which is uh, I think it's a hundred dollars, about a hundred pounds. It's eighty-five pounds. Eighty-five pounds. Okay, cool. And um, New Zealand dollars. It is one hundred and seventy-two a month. So if you support us this much, we can only really reasonably offer you all the stuff from the lower tiers, plus a very special thank you message at the end of every stream. Um, yeah, so that's the stickers, the pins, the Discord access, the hangouts, um, all that stuff, and then yeah, the on-air thank you, which looks like this. Thank you so much to JBP, Neryl and Starfire, Queen Pib, Cassie Tastrophe, and Risk Inverse. You're sickos! Yeah! Everyone knows it. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Absolutely disgustingly sick. <laughs> but uh, Tim, one more thing. I want to know where the sickest of sickos, the Tim heads... Uh, I'm I'm sorry. There is well, no. Um, there isn't. There is two more things because I've just been, I've just yeah. been told by our producer that I forgot to mention the merch, and that is a grave mistake because actually um, we are uh, adding hoodies 
uh to the merch line now uh we're gonna get hoodies that are gonna have the red planet logo uh on the front and the uh queer existence is resistance um design on the back uh, as well as that you can get it as a as a t-shirt or you can get it as a uh, tote bag at mercenarycreative.com uh and yeah we'll hopefully have more merch uh, in our red planet range sometime soon but now Tim, I have a question for you, and it's about the sickest of sickos, the Tim Heads. Where can we find more, Tim? Well, you can find me uh, over, you can find me here or on YouTube as Conquest of Dread, or you can find me over on Twitter and Blue Sky as Dread Conquest. Yeah, I don't have much plans to do any streaming outside of Red Planet at the moment, just super hectic with work and stuff. But um, if you do want to catch some sicko streams, where can we find more about our friend DJ Music? Whoa, Tim, what a segue. And you're right, because I'm actually coming back to streaming uh, this week uh, because I've been working very hard on the Red Planet Zad documentary. Had to take a lot of time off for that in particular. Uh, But that's basically coming to an end now. And I'm going to be streaming more regularly this month, uh, including a very, very special acoustic uh, live set. I'm going to be playing some songs. I'm going to be playing some songs from uh, the likes of... Alice in Chains, Massive Attack, the Alan Parsons Project, uh, maybe a little bit of Woody Guthrie. I haven't really decided yet if I'm going to learn that. Probably will. I probably will. Um, so, yeah, that's a very exciting stream that you got to look forward to. Uh, also, I got loads of other links. Uh, linktra.ee forward slash DJMUEL. You can find me on Blue Sky. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on TikTok. You can find me on YouTube and also, uh, uh, yeah, the big old twitch.tv. So, don't forget, that's what that is. And also, you shouldn't forget where you can find Sophie from, and she's going to tell us where that is. I will. But first, I'm going to tell you where we can find Kira, our currently absent co-host, because she's away doing a based thing. You can find her right now at a protest, but I don't know which one, so I can't really help you there. Uh, but you can find her at linktr.ee slash Kira Chats. All her links are there. All the good ones, all the better ones, they're all there. linktr.ee slash Kira Chats. Uh, similarly, you can find all my links at linktr.ee slash Sophie from Mars. I'm on Twitter, Twitch, Tumblr, Blue Sky, YouTube, Instagram. I have some sort of crippling, awful uh, social media addiction that I've managed to turn into a successful job. Good for me, question mark. Right. Um, is that all? I don't know. If you enjoyed this episode specifically and the kind of discussion we were having about the media and politics and theory uh, and how we know stuff and and that, that's very much what my work is about. So check me out on YouTube at Sophie from Mars and check me out on patreon.com slash Sophie from Mars uh, where there's my writing about this kind of stuff frequently. Um, and that's all to about the host. Thank you so much for watching yeah. and <laughs> see you next week. Bye. See you next week. Whoa. Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Planet. If you enjoyed the show, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell all your comrades about it. Find more on the show, including where to watch live at redplanetshow.com. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok at red underscore planet underscore TV. And there's even more at our Patreon, patreon.com slash red underscore planet. Our music is by Jasper Byrne. Red Planet is produced by Conrad Zimmerman in association with Mercenary Creative. See you next week.